Begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It is Chris, a.k.a. Star Raptor. I'm joined by Milton and Ben. I am back. I have survived another year at New York Comic Con 2022. Uh, a lot to get into this week, especially with New York Comic Con. We'll be covering everything that happened with Star Wars and my fun adventures over there, as well as not one, but two episodes of Android Breakdown. We have episode five, The Axe Forgets, as well as episode six, The Eye. So we will be covering those episodes in the back half of this here episode. So guys, it's been two weeks. What have you been up to? <laughs> just uh living life man living life uh, enjoying some good football and also just you know some star wars here or there but i'm glad that you survived comic-con we were able to see the pictures looked like you and the uh you and the old lady had a lot of fun oh yeah we uh we we're gonna get into it but yeah we we went to a couple fun after parties and uh well you can see our costumes you know uh, she was Wednesday and, and Scarlet Witch, and I was uh, Jedi Luke as well as Cal Kestis. So ha had a lot of fun in that regard. But yeah, the Eagles are doing pretty well. You guys in Philly must be happy. <laughs> yeah, we got a big one this Sunday night, so it, let's hope. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you're, you're living at Good Milton with your Eagles. My, my Browns are making me sad, as always. It's been a rough couple weeks, and. Luckily, uh, you know, luckily we're getting some Star Wars content, at least uh, to pass the time. Star Wars and House of the Dragon, of course, which that show, in my opinion, is the best show on TV. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a pretty chill two weeks for me as well. Just just the normal, you know, working out, watching football, um, you know, just, just the norm pretty much. Playing some, playing some video games, as always. Um, I was, for my, I guess for my weekend Star Wars to um, do... Uh, to put to throw that in there as well i uh i didn't have like too many like wild like things happening really other than you know just talking with people about andor and talking um talking about like the upcoming star wars things whether it be like tales of the jedi or uh, mando or bad batch like just having a discussion different discussions about that and you know just playing a little a uh, a little classic battlefront 2 um you know, a few days ago, that's always fun to hop on there and and play that, and you know, just work on just ranking your your guys up and whatnot. But that's been pretty pretty chill for me. Yeah, I've been I've been busy with the games too. You know, between Overwatch two and uh, Destiny two and multiverses and a whole bunch of other stuff coming out. It's like, oh, this is the this is the time we like as gamers. This this quarter four is uh like the christmas for gamers basically but um yeah i mean battlefront too man you can't beat it oh yeah it's it's always fun and you know of course games have gotten more i would say difficult nowadays so like your skill level compared to some of those games back then may be better than like say what the ai is so like the easiest way for anybody going back to play any of those games like just put it on the hardest difficulty and it it's definitely hard <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, well, speak, speaking of games, all right, this is actually my weekend Star Wars. Ooh. I texted you guys last week about this. Um, I went down to a store that I, I usually go to in Maryland. Uh, I was able to pick up um, Star Wars Jedi Starfighter on PlayStation. Ooh, yep, yep, yep. And um, I got Star Wars Racer. I guess there's the Pod Racer for mm -hmm. Nintendo 64. Mm -hmm. So I, I haven't played them yet. Um, plan on playing them probably in the next couple weeks. 
I know for the holidays we're going to play it, but I would like to sit down and at least start one of these games in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, I was always jealous of the PlayStation crowd because you guys got Jedi Starfighter and, and the regular Starfighter, which is exclusive to the console. And as we all know on this channel, I mean, I don't dislike PlayStation, but I only ever owned the PlayStation once. So I missed out on all the PS2, PS3, PS4, and PS5 games. And that was one of them. So I was like, ah, you know, I want to, I want to play that Because I believe that game, that the history of that game is, that was the preview for Attack of the Clones. I think that game made it, might have come out a couple months before Attack of the Clones, and it was actually a prequel to Attack of the Clones. So, for those of you that played of, it, uh, I think you're thinking of the Clone Wars game. No, you're right because uh, this is yeah. a prequel, and then yeah. the Clone Wars game is like after. Yep. Episodes. Yeah. It was so cool because they had this new fighter, this new starfighter in Star Wars, and this new protagonist, and I was so intrigued. Like, oh, what's going on here? And I think since then, um, and I will look this up on my Steam library as I'm sitting here, but I I think it might I might have it on Steam now. But maybe not. Um, Jedi Starfighter. Uh, nope. There is no Jedi Starfighter apparently on Steam. I just have the regular Starfighter. So, yeah, I'm basically never going to be able to play that game at this point. Let's <laughs> like, find some kind of like hacked, emulated version online. I guess they haven't <laughs> worked on the code to get that thing up to speed. But, yeah, you'll definitely have to tell us like about that game because I'm very curious. I've always been very curious about that one. <laughs> Problem. Um, I had a funny um, Star Wars this week in Star Wars. Um, it actually happened last night while I was sleeping. <laughs> and, and we could go around the room and, and, and say if we've ever had a weird Star Wars dream. But anyway, this one's very bizarre. So I had a dream that I was, you know, my profession um, is I'm a personal trainer. So I was actually training Kathleen Kennedy at like the Lucasfilm gym. <laughs> <laughs> I was training Kathleen Kennedy at the Lucasfilm gym, and it was a pretty vivid, pretty vivid dream because I specifically remember asking her. Out of all the questions I could ask her, right? I'm training the the person that's head of Lucasfilm, and I, I straight up asked her. I was like, "So, what are we getting the High Republic action figures from Hasbro?" <laughs> I was like, "That's a question." I asked her, and it was like. She's like, well, you're going to have to ask Hasbro because I'm not in charge of that entity of the whole thing. And I was just like, wow, I shot my shot and I completely, I could have asked her about the, the Rogue Squadron movie. I could have asked her about Knights of the Republic happening in live action. And man, oh man, I, we'll talk about the High Republic later on and the updates here with New York Comic Con. I guess I had it on the brain or something, but <laughs> and then it was funny because also elsewhere in the dream, like I remember like going into the back rooms, the back offices of, I was being like a little delinquent or something because I was going into back offices. I had to grab something for her. Like she forgot her water bottle or something. And she's like, oh, I left it on my desk or something in, in the office. And I was like, ooh, I can, I can go in there and see if there's like, like any scripts or something that are like on the table on her desk or something. So I remember like going in this one room and there's just like a bunch of like empty boxes and like it was really bizarre but I, was, I woke up from the dream and i was like damn that would have because i i'll be honest with you a long time ago not even a long time ago you know a lot of these corporate prices had they have gyms you know that was a whole big entity of like my profession was like corporate wellness where you have 
gyms inside of big corporate buildings. Of course, with work from home, that whole entity got wiped off the face of the earth. That stuff doesn't exist anymore. But I actually did send out an email or two to the people over at the Skywalker Ranch at one point. Like, hey, do you guys have a gym that needs a trainer to watch? You know, so of course, nobody got back to me after that. But um, I, I've had other dreams about be, like George Lucas, for instance. One of my dreams was like I was down the shore at our family's bungalow and George Lucas like stopped over to have a drink at the Tiki bar. <laughs> like funny random funny things like that. Um I'll throw it over to you guys. Have you ever had like a, a Star Wars celebrity in a dream or something like that? I mean I guess we keep it on work. Um I mean look I, I work for our local county government and um so yeah and you you guys seen my office with like the pictures and the boba fett helmets and stuff so like i've had like dreams about my job but i've had had a dream about star wars in my job where like i'm dealing with like some type of with a kid and all of a sudden like skywalker pops out of nowhere because he's just on my mind maybe i watched star wars that night and then i had like a big meeting the next day and i think just both my work and star wars kind of just messed like i know those dreams happened before um, and obviously with me seeing you know, my Boba Fett helmet in my Ahsoka and Luke Skywalker figure in my office, it's kind of like it's always around. So I think that's probably why like, I have those dreams once in a while with Star Wars and then with my work. So, yeah, it's happened. Now, I can't remember anything crazy, like work-related with like my dreams, but I know like Luke has been in a couple of them, I think, because of what I see every Whoa. day. Damn, yeah, I haven't you? had, like, a character show up. That'd be crazy if, like, Kyle Katarn just, like, or Dash Rendar just showed up in my dream. I would wake up and be so angry if that, that was the case. Oh, <laughs> uh, that those are both great. Um, for me, I, I mean, the only one I can, really can remember that I had, like, specifically was a year or two ago. I, uh, it was around this time, you know, around Halloween time. I had, I had, I watch... Um, the original Halloween every October because, like, you know, it's a classic and it's one of the best movies ever. And, uh, anyways, like, I guess the the vibes from that movie, even though, even though it was a Halloween movie, like, this just shows how much we all are into Star Wars. Like, you know, I hadn't even watched any Star Wars that day or anything, but, you know, after I got done watching it, I went to bed. And then, like, you know, I had a dream about pretty much a similar vibe, like, to Michael Myers. Like, you know, in, in the <laughs> Halloween movie, like, Michael Myers is, like, stalking around, like, the neighborhoods. Like, you see him walking, like, streetlight oh, yeah. to streetlight type deal. And, like, I remember, like, real vividly, because, like, see, where I live out in the country, we live in, like, almost a little, it's like a little town outside of our city. And, you know, there's, like, streetlights and stuff. And, uh... You know, like, I remember, like, in my dream, like, going outside, like, hearing something and, like, looking down the street and seeing, like, you know, Darth Vader, like, walking, like, pole light to pole light, and me, like, running inside, like, freaking out, like, oh, my gosh, we gotta hide, because, like, he's looking for me or something, and then, like, I woke up and was like, whoa. But, yeah, that was about, <laughs> that was about the most, like, Star Wars, like, vivid dream I can remember that I've had was just, like, that, like, Halloween crossing over with it, um... That was only a couple years ago. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, because Vader oh, see, ben, actually you... can be stealthy. Yeah, go ahead, Mullen. I was say, Ben, have you ever had like I don't know if you said it or not, but have you ever had like like your dreams or like you know Star Wars like with your job, like whether it's like in your dreams or just daily life in general? For um, 
Uh, not necessarily, I would say. Uh, I, I would say, I mean, of course, like, Star Wars is in, like, daily life and stuff. But I would, uh, because, like, my, cause, like, my stuff is more, you know, fitness as well. Um, so, like, my, I don't know, I really haven't had any, like, direct, like, interesting dreams like you, Chris. Uh, you know, with the whole gym on, at the gym at uh, Skywalker <laughs> Ranch thing. More of just, uh, you know, related to, like, fitness. Like, I've, you know, more thought along the lines of, like, you know, just outside of dreaming, like, the whole wonder what they were doing in star wars for fitness like in universe oh but um like that's that's always an interesting thing to me because like you know it's i guess it's just one of those whole things of like you know just don't ask questions type deal for star wars because like you know we know with astronauts here like they lose so much muscle and body mass when they go up into space for even a few months and like in star wars they're just like traveling around the galaxy staying the same so uh i don't know it's just interesting uh it's just interesting thinking about that. But yeah, I mean, that that's more of like the, the crossover with like the fitness stuff that I uh, thought about in terms of Star Wars. Oh, I, I know with my job, though, like we because like I, said, I work with a lot of, you know, kids um, and like young teenagers. So like sometimes when there's an opportunity, especially if I know a kid likes Star Wars, I'll talk about it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm a big Star Wars head. And we talk about it. Actually, I had this one kid. He always talked about the Millennium Falcon. I was like, oh, yeah, it's a dope ship. Every time we saw him, we talked about. Uh, obi-wan anytime so yeah. it's nice that i can bring star wars into my work like kind of build rapport with like the kids that i work with so yeah it breaks down walls oh, yeah. That's sick yeah oh oh yeah star wars star wars is such a good um barrier breaker in my opinion mm-hmm. because you know like you said it breaks down walls for kids or elderly for people in between i mean heck there's um you know everyone knows here like i i love to play madden like, there's a couple Madden YouTubers I follow. They stream on Twitch and stuff. And it's funny, like, back when Kenobi was on, I had asked a question to the guy in, the, in his chat, and he happened to see it. And, like, he's one of the biggest Madden Twitch YouTubers there are. And uh, he saw my question and was like, because I asked him, like, you know, what's he think of Kenobi so far and all this stuff. And he's like, you know, Kenobi's fine and everything. He's like, but don't get me started on a lot of this, on some of this Disney Star Wars stuff, because I'll go on a two-hour power, a two-hour PowerPoint presentation on why it's not doing great. <laughs> so I was like, oh my gosh! And it, it's just funny because, like, you know, even with like people in other genres, like they're passionate about it, and you know, you just don't know it because you know they're content creators focusing on something else, and and like, you know, it turns out he's like a a pretty hardcore, like in the weeds Star Wars nerd as well. So it's like that's cool. Um, so it's just cool, like seeing, you know, Star Wars crossing over to other, um, you know, parts of life. Yeah. So everybody listening after the fact, everybody, including Dark Nerdy Gonzo in our live chat right here on YouTube, we want to hear what your Star Wars crossover dreams are, how strange it could be. Let us know in the comment section down below or send us out a shout on Twitter. Um, but yeah, getting into our housekeeping, if you are watching on YouTube. We have an offering of this YouTube of this show on any podcast streaming service, whether it be Spotify or Amazon Music or Google or any other platform. We are there for you to download, and we go live every Friday at nine o'clock Eastern. If you want to join, as I said, Gonzo in the chat, as well as the many others we have uh, that are loyal followers um, chiming in on our discussions here. Uh, we had quite a few things that got released this. Last two weeks, I'll cover. I'll, I'll catch up for the last two weeks, I suppose. Um, first of all, we had a, a huge launch of a brand new Star Wars initiative, the High Republic Phase Two, 150 years before 
phase one. So yeah, roughly about 400 years before A New Hope is where we are currently at in the newest uh, High Republic story. So we have the book, The Path of Deceit. Um, that's a young adult novel. We also have the comics written by Kavan Scott, as well as um, at least one or two insider short stories. So we have all that going on. We also have a really cool thing, um, which is the Visions comic book from Marvel. It's basically a new story telling the tale of Ronan, who we've seen from the duel in the shorts that came out almost just a little over a year ago at that point. Like, time's flying by. I remember binging all those on, on a vacation that I had. Um, so, yeah, really cool I artwork. Know. Yeah. I was going to say to throw in there real quick before you move on from Visions. I, so, here's a funny story. When you put that in our, in our show notes tonight, I was like, wait a second. I was like, what is this for? Because at first I thought it was like New Visions episodes on Disney+. Plus. So I got on <laughs> Disney+, Plus really quick at like uh -huh. 8 o'clock, and was like, oh, wait, okay, there's no New Vision stuff, so it must be a book. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's all black and white. Um, mm. You know what? I could probably show you right now real quick. Let me show you some pages. Okay, so... What we have going on here is with Ronan, as I said. So it's very striking because it's all done by the same artist and the same storyteller, um, who I don't want to butcher his name, Taka uh, Takashi Azaki. Um, but basically, it's all black and white, but it's it's accented, you know, it's accented with the red blades of the lightsabers. Um, let me let me try to open up to a cool action shot here. Like this artwork is insane. This is stuff you would get like tattoos of. You know, this is like killer. Oh, yeah. This is like killer artwork here. So yeah, it's got a new story. He he encounters like a Jedi because we know in this this um, canon verse, if you will, of this this timeline, there's like the Sith Empire and the Jedi and all that sort of thing. So it's 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 going off of that timeline. Um, but yeah, very, but very very enjoyable for sure. Um, we also had a couple other Star Wars comics. We had Star Wars issue number 28, where Luke Skywalker literally goes to Coruscant to get the Crimson Dawn double agents that have information of the Death Star 2. So yes, he tells Mon Mothma, I have it confirmed that there is a Death Star 2. So it's only a matter of time before the Bothans get involved with Star Wars at this point. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And we had the Mandalorian issue number 4 that came out, which is, simply put, just a recap of issue number four which is or episode number four which is interesting because it's like the first piece of canon star wars that has cara dune in it you know because cara dune has been like yeah. wiped from the face of everything <laughs> and they, they i mean part of me was going to be shocked if she wasn't in there but a part of me was like this entire story of this episode is revolving around her so it'd be kind of weird for them to write this story and not have her in it so well i i mean you never know like they I could have easily seen them doing that, honestly. Like, that's that's the thing. Like, we're at a point with, like, a lot of stuff with, like, her, uh, with Gina Carano, and, um, you know, any actor, really, that has any, um, I guess you would say, like, dismissal from the movie or the company they're with, they, uh, you know, they pretty much act like they didn't exist a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, oh, by the way, I, I have to I have to get onto this little side tangent here, and this is we're gonna basically get into the the, the, the New York Comic Con stuff because <laughs> I have I have some funny things to say here. 
At least one funny thing, I think, anyway. Gonzo thought it was funny and priceless, as he says in the chat room, before I forget about it. Um, so me and Gonzo hung out. He's from New Jersey, too. Actually, I met uh, Aaron Daly there again, Chris Forsyth. So anybody that's familiar with our chat, yeah, I basically like, hung out with all of our usual crew here because we're all from the tri-state area. Um, so I want to go by, I'm not going to like make this too, I don't even know the, the employee, but anyway, <laughs> I went to the, the, the book, um, booth to pick up the new high Republic book, which I had already read because I had it sent to me early to review. <laughs> so, you know, I, I get it. Like it could be a little convoluted with the star Wars timeline, especially when you're trying to do a prequel to something like the prequels were like, Oh yeah, the prequels are taking place before original trilogy. And that was the first ones that came out. So basically I had a conversation with one of the employees where we were going back and forth because I was telling my friend who, who was not in the chat room here is another guy, Teddy friend from work uh, he was asking me oh what book do i start with with the high republic because we were at the official place i said oh you can start with the, the light of the jedi and then the, and the, the person came over and she was like oh you can start any of these books i was like you could and then i pointed to the new book the one i was just talking about the path of deceit it's got the blue cover the new blue logo which means it's in phase two and I was like, technically, you could start at this book because this book precedes everything. It's it's the newest book, but it's also the prequel. And then, so basically, I was going back and forth with the employee here, who <laughs> who was steadfast. It's like, no, you can't start there. You have to start at this book. And I was like, the very very kind, very patient, and just being like, no, actually, you know, this is a prequel. You know, like the prequels, like the Phantom Menace, technically starts before. You know, original trail. So I was going back and forth, and eventually, like, <laughs> I just sort of walked away because I was like, I don't want to like ruin this this employee's day, but like, I, yeah. I I'm not getting through to this person, so let me just walk away. <laughs> so I just that's, picked up the book and great. walked away. But Gonzo was there, and he was like, he was kind of like snickering in the background because he seen me in my element, like going into the lore stuff. Like, oh, you see, you got excited. It was like such a Comic Con type of moment where. Like, you get really into the weeds with something, and you're trying to convince somebody, and you're like, I accept that I know what I'm talking about, and maybe they are a little bit misinterpreting the thing. So anyway, I, I, that was a funny little thing that happened there. Yeah, that's, that's funny. Um, but yeah, let um, me... let me. Really, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to interject real quick. Um, I'm not sure on my end. I might not be able to see you, Chris. I can see you, Milton. Can you see Chris? So I can see him. Okay. I can see myself just, on just, Discord. Yeah, I'm good. Okay, okay, just checking. All right, then I might have pressed a button so I can't see you, Chris. Anyways, continue. Yeah, so that that was a funny <laughs> little interaction. Um, but but generally uh, speaking, it was a very pleasant experience. New York Comic Con in general. Uh, just not even talking about Star Wars. Just a general outlook of everything. You know, New York Comic Con was always fun because it's fandoms all combined in one one roof and this time they expanded to javits center the construction's finally complete that they were working on for five years so now even the showroom floor got expanded a little bit more so we have a lot more going on the bigger booths were back funko marvel dc had like a little booth with titans from uh that universe and all those things a lot of anime this year a lot of anime if you're a fan of like there's a thing called chainsaw man and one piece and and demon slayer and 
uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, it was very much like a lot of cool stuff like that, which I'm not personally into, but I can appreciate the fans love that stuff. Uh, Genshin Impact, they had like a lot of cool gaming activations there. Um, but specifically talking about Star Wars, there were two panels, as I mentioned two weeks ago, there was the High Republic panel on Saturday, there was the Lucasfilm Publishing panel on Sunday. Um, so the higher public panel was was really cool. It was like they brought out the big guns. Like they like the New York Comic Con was like the place to be if you're going to be a High Republic fan. And my buddy from Ion Cannon, Matthew Negabauer, uh, he was basically so jealous of me because he's like he's a huge High Republic fan. He's like, that's it, I'm going next year because I was <laughs> I did something I never did before, which was me I I live tweeted the High Republic panel. So I was like taking photos. I was frantically typing away on my phone it was it was definitely something that i didn't think i'd be doing but my my buddies over at the star wars underworld were not going to be there so i figured oh they usually do this let me let me return the favor because i usually file their, their live tweets so i was like if they're not going to do it i'm going to pick up the mantle so that's what i did and i wasn't the only one that was doing it there was there was some other people like friends of the force and other star wars content creators apparently were were out there in the crowd but uh, yeah, they basically brought up Phase 1 and, and, and all those authors, and then they brought all the Phase 2 authors, so literally every author was was in the building, all like, um, what is it, like 9 of them, 10 if you count, Michael C. Glenn, the creative, uh, so there was even the, 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 um, the artists, Arya Anadito came, came up there from Indonesia. It was crazy. They brought they brought everybody over. Um, some things they announced uh, cover reveals for some of the Phase Two books like Cataclysm, Quest for Planet X, and Path of Vengeance. Uh, they basically revealed that um, we're gonna get a new a new kid book, Yoda and the Youngling Kids. Uh, new manga, Edge of Balance, President in May 2023. Uh, they have a cool book coming out, which is gonna be an anthology, a young adult novel of all these short stories kind of like um what is it the certain point of view books but like higher public stories um it's going to be nice. phase one phase two phase three so that's going to be really fun um but it was uh, it was interesting because like around six o'clock today they put up the high republic um they usually do like every two months like a high republic video on the star wars youtube channel and of course they had all the the, the new york comic-con coverage and i got a little kick out of this i sent it to the chat i was like hey i could see my blurry half obscured face looking at my phone frantically typing on my <laughs> in the background when they were looking at the crowd so i was like oh that was my, my my one second of fame not not really you you would have no idea it's me unless i was i was the only person i could figure that was me that's how blurry i am in the camera but i was like oh i'm on that side of the room i know i'm at that side somewhere and i seen gonzo's face <laughs> i was like oh there's gonzo i looked at oh there's me you know so <laughs> there we go I, I got i got a kick out of that but it, it was pretty cool because like that like i said they used new york comic-con as a launch point for phase two since phase two literally started like two days before comic-con so lucasfilm had like a booth with like a big mural of like the High Republic, so they were really bringing the big guns to to Comic Con this year. And I would expect that they're gonna probably do the same. If you're a High Republic fan, you live anywhere near the East Coast, you might want to pick up tickets for Comic Con 2023 because uh, Phase Three is starting off in November. So I bet you they're gonna probably have a big celebration like they did uh, this year. Apparently, they had a big like video 
in Times Square, like going on all weekend with like the Phase Two trailer. Yeah, they make trailers for big Star Wars books now. It's crazy. Um, so on Sunday night, uh, me and my girlfriend, I, I literally was like, "Hey, we got to go to Times Square to watch a, a stupid Star Wars <laughs> book trailer video." <laughs> And she doesn't really That's like going crazy. there because it's like all like tourists, obviously, and she's like local. She's like, ah, oh, we gotta go. I could tell. I was like, we're gonna go. And then so I stood around in Times Square waiting for like 10 minutes, waiting for this stupid video. And I realized, oh, they probably took it down. It's probably not going on anymore. So we, we went there for no reason. <laughs> it's just like oh, we're in the great. middle of this crowd. And here I am just like staring at the one video wall that i know it's gonna be on because i've seen a twitter video it's right above the disney store i'm like looking at my watch just like okay five minutes went by there's still it was like looping the same video over and over i'm like there's still a chance there's still a chance so i'll give it another 10 minutes <laughs> i was like right. the walk of shame i was like well that was a waste of time but um hey. yeah <laughs> you guys seriously like you guys have fun no, no matter what it's all that matters yeah, yeah. Um, hey, out about like that. That's always fun. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. So then I'll I'll just quickly go over the uh, what is it the um, the publishing panel, the publishing panel, the other official thing going on there. Uh, that was on Sunday. I, I I barely made it there because uh, you know as we all do, we go to Comic Con. We we have fun at night after the con closes, and well, it was the, it was a late night to say the least. Um, not as late as I was expecting, but I wasn't you know. 100% will say that. <laughs> I made it there. Thanks to Gonzo for saving me a seat, by the way, man. He's he's the MVP this time around. Because I think I was like the last person in that room at that point before they closed it off. Because it was a packed house. But we got there and they announced a new Star Wars book. You guys are probably going to like it specifically. It's about an Inquisitor. It's Inquisitor uh rise of the red blade by delilah s Dawson. she wrote the captain phasma novel i don't know if either of you have read that or and she's also written the black spire tie-in book for galaxy's edge but she's really good at writing villains specifically so i love this when disney lucasfilm like make a project that is not tying into anything concurrently happening in star wars this is not like you know, as much as I love Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor, yeah, they're making a book because they're trying to promote the new game. It's like, this book is coming out of nowhere. It just ran the part in a timeline. So I feel like we're going to get some really good juicy details out of, like, how a Jedi goes from being a Jedi after Order 66 to becoming an Inquisitor. And yes, we, we've gotten a similar story from literally Jedi Fallen Order when you see uh, what's her name the second sister becoming the second sister being tortured by the Sith but to get this in a, in a, in a full-fledged full novel full-length novel especially with a veteran writer on board um, this character's name is cat that really interesting about this character is they didn't make her she's not a brand new character she's actually in the Darth Vader comics from Charles Soule. You guys might have read these. Um, issue 19 and issue number 20 specifically from what I've seen. She's like this red-skinned, almost looks like a Sith pureblood type of alien if you're familiar with the Old Republic. Um, but I think she gets like impaled by Vader's lightsaber at the end of the issue 20. But as we all seen, you could survive getting impaled by a lightsaber. I mean, we've seen Inquisitors. Both of them survive. You know, Grand Inquisitor... 
the third sister. It's like Reva survives. It's like well anymore, you know, you get stabbed, you can still live. So so that that's that one. Uh, but we have Sanastaros. Remember, she's from the comics. She was that one character making the the headlines when she first appeared in Star Wars issue number seven. I want to say when she shows up on the scene and says, "Where's my husband?" and points to Han Solo because they had this yep. whole like thing going on. You remember that one, Ben? Oh yep, yep. I remember. I remember that one. I feel like that's like the the biggest. I mean, I'm sure there's other things that have gone on with her character in canon, but I feel like that's like her biggest or most notable moment, like for a lot of people. You know, because of that, um, you know, because it was that whole thing of like, holy smokes, wait, Han had another wife? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's freaking crazy. So, yeah, that we got the High Republic Chronicles of the Jedi, which is like an in universe, like, um, source book uh, explaining different things. Also, the High Republic, the lightsaber collection, which I'm actually really excited for because I never bought, they have a regular lightsaber collection book. Which is just shows you like the really cool hilts and gives you like an explanation from like an artistic perspective of, of them, I guess. But right. the, the 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 lightsaber designs in the higher public are freaking sick. Like you look at Stellan Geos' lightsaber, you look at um, the Blade of Bardota's uh, his lightsaber design, which is on the cover, the hilts. They are very intricate, very ornate. And definitely stand out. You look at the original trilogy sabers, and you're like, those things look like pieces of crap compared to, you know, the height of the Jedi we're using. So I'm, I'm excited for that. Um, on Sunday, I went and I seen Poe Dameron himself in a panel. Oscar Isaac uh, took the stage for a spotlight panel. That was a lot of fun. He talked nice. about Moon Knight. Talked about you know Poe Dameron and Star Wars, and just a bunch of random stuff he he made kind of like a kind of a joke <laughs> with uh because obviously oscar isaac and well i don't know if it's obvious or not I, I actually was didn't know this oscar isaac and pedro pascal are buddies i don't know if you knew if you knew this oh no i didn't really yeah. that. so they had this funny little feud going on or i don't know oscar isaac was basically saying like they're 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 boy they're like romantically involved and if they were then like pedro pascal is the slut in the, in the relationship or something <laughs> oh <my laughs> so that, was, that was probably the funniest thing in the panel but uh <laughs> i forget what the context was but funny. we that was funny and, and and another another cool story that happened so i went to this after party that's the one on saturday before the, before the other panel I showed up, I'm most late for, uh, because I was at this one party um, for Yellow Jackets, which I didn't really know about. I heard something. It's a Showtime show involving these girls from my own home state, New Jersey, going to a national soccer tournament. They crash land this airplane, and basically they survive in this wilderness of Canada for whatever reason. They have to live there for like 17 months in the wilderness and, it, and they basically devolve into being cannibals. So that's the whole premise of this bright, cheery TV show. And they were having a party themed after that at the Javits Center, which it was really effing cool because um, it was all like these uh, trees and fog and you felt like you're in the forest and they had like, f you know, free drinks and free food and they were giving away gym bags with like mugs. Those, those studio parties are the best. It's always a highlight for me to go to those things um, and you're a Comic-Con. But anyway, before I even got in there, I was waiting in this line, waiting in this line and I guess there was a press room that was right next to the queue that was going into this 
into this party and I seen a really tall figure walking by and the door was only like 10 feet away to get into this press room that I found out what it was after the fact. And, and guess who I seen? I mean, there's not really any other seven foot tall women out there that are actors, but I seen freaking Gwendolyn Christie just like walking by me. I'm oh, like, dang. What the hell? <laughs> like, Brianna Tarth, Captain Phasma herself just like walked by, but it was so funny because I'd never seen her with her like hair down because she's in um, the Wednesday show and they had a panel for Wednesday, like at eight o'clock i was waiting in line at 7 30 so i'm guessing they were like in a press room because there was all journalists and reporters that i rec kind of recognized from different outlets and she like had to walk in this room and then like 10 minutes later like walked right back out of the room and went right back behind the curtain again but like i could see her and then i said something and like everybody else in the line like just like looked away from their phones for like a minute and were like oh crap and they're like like it's Brianna like every there's like a frenzy of like paparazzi where like everybody like got their phones it's like oh my god like like it was crazy but like that's that's the kind of fun stuff at, at comic-con you'll just see like random like celebrities just like walking by it's like what you know kind of thing like double take yeah. oh yeah oh and i was gonna ask you too um uh since you'd gone there how was the Walking Dead's presence with their final? I mean, I know this is a Star Wars show, but with their with it being their final season, did they have a pretty big presence there? I mean, they did. You'll have to ask my friend Teddy because he was uh, he was at the panel. I could have gone to the panel, but I didn't because mm. a part of me wants to still watch the show and not be spoiled. And I'm sure they probably talk yeah. about spoilers in the panel. And I'm a little bit like, eh, I don't want to do that right now. But he enjoyed it. My friend said, uh, you know, oh, they showed cool. off they showed off stuff, but like all the. Daryl was there, and and um, I don't know nice. who else was there actually. Whoever the actors that are still alive at this point, I guess the big ones. Yeah. So. <laughs> hey, that's cool. Oh man, yeah. So yeah, it was it's just a, a really fun time. We just uh, did a lot of panels, seeing Jack Black from the Super. Basically, they showed a Super Brothers, a Super Mario Brothers movie trailer. And then Jack Black made a surprise appearance on stage and like sat down on this big ass like throne of Bowser and was like just having a lot of fun with uh, the crowd and just driving off everybody. Um, but yeah, I've seen a lot of Amazon stuff. I've seen this new show. It's like kind of like Westworld called The Peripheral, which is basically you put on this Oculus like headset looking thing and it like transports you to like 70 years future London. And that looks really cool. Um, seen a rings of power panel and it was like the week before the last episode came out so they were pretty tight-lipped about what was happening but uh pretty exciting nonetheless and uh yeah i guess other than that that was really it i just did a the, the couple star wars panels oh i can't forget i always I always mention this the the star wars meetup happened on saturday at two o'clock and my buddy uh well, Gonzo was there. My buddy chris forsyth who who often uh sounds off in the chat aaron was there um, so a lot of us were just hanging out and it was bigger than ever. They had the whole like Mandalorian death march going on. So you can actually see that. I have a, I have a cosplay video on the channel right now of like somewhere halfway through the three minute video. You'll see me just like running in front of this crowd as I seen them walking through like the main concourse area of the Javits Center. <laughs> and there is actually like 30 Mandalorians probably just walking. It's so cool seeing the Mandalorians because they all customize their armor. It's not like there's like 30 Din Djarins or Boba Fett's. Like everybody has different armor. Like really cool. Like I've seen one guy that looked like he was from like Vietnam era where you, you know, you see those planes that had like the shark teeth on the 
helicopters oh, yep. in a plane. Like his helmet like looked like that. It was like, like all camo and stuff. I was like, oh, holy crap. Cool. It's like a soldier V. There it's like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there was um uh, uh, a bantha like this one dude had like crate dragon skulls like on his shoulders he had like bantha horns that like came down his face he had like a there's people like mini guns like apparently there was a din jarn with a swoop bike that was like on Holy wheels smokes. i didn't see that guy he was outside i guess he couldn't like bring the whole thing up the flight of stairs obviously <laughs> but yeah it was the the, the creativity with these costumes like oh man i'm so envious of people that can like do the armor stuff because i just deal with the soft stuff like the jedi like i was cal Kestis with the with the bd1 everybody loved the bd1 um it's very uncomfortable not uncomfortable but the bd1 that sit, sits on my shoulder it's like i have to constantly adjust him because he slides forward i have to devise some better thing for celebration i'll probably bring him out in april but um if he survives the seven hour across the water plane ride that time but um anyway anyway yeah i, I digress i digress i uh, you know it's 40 minutes in i'll shut up for a little bit but i i mean i had i had a great time as i always do and um for any of the any of you that are even questioning oh, should i go should i go i'd say definitely recommend if you are in the east coast it's uh the place to be as i said for all the fandoms you'll see marvel dc a lot of mashup costumes of all of them combined uh just different like little fun things going on there and you'll see like the, the craziest costumes like you'll be walking around you'll see a kool-aid man walking around you'll see like some like <laughs> like red balloon ribbon dog thing that i have no idea is from i see napoleon dynamite and i got him to dance for my cosplay video i'd even ask him like he just started dancing for the video i was like this is perfect um <laughs> So you can again, you can check out that video. I'm gonna be putting up a vlog video of just like all the random stuff I did um, later on in the weekend. If you're watching this, or you probably will be up by the time you hear this on Monday if you're listening to the podcast. But yeah, very fun times, and um, yeah, you too. I know you're a little closer than the people over there on the West Coast, so definitely try to come one of these years because it is a blast. It's. I mean, it sounds like it. Like you said, I mean. Talking 40 minutes about it isn't a bad thing. I mean, <laughs> it's clear you had a good time. It's right. obviously well worth it. Even even specifically just for, like, the Star Wars fans going, you know, a good Star Wars presence. And then, of course, like you said, like to me when it comes to, like, conventions like this or even, like, sporting events. Like, I'm going to a Browns game later this fall, Thanksgiving weekend, actually. And, you know, the be sure, you can stay home and watch, like, things on TV, whether it be, like, the sporting event or the Comic Cons or the whatever, you know. But, like, to me, the biggest part about going there is, like, the atmosphere of, you know, hanging out with the other fans of the movies or the shows or the sports or whatever it may be. Like, it's always so much fun, like, the social side of things, like, going to those type of events. Yeah, yeah I agree. I mean, I've, I've been to, like, some signing stuff before. And, I mean, like I said, it could be a big signing or a small one, but you get to, you get to spend time with people, you know, that have something very similar to you and in, in, when it comes to interest and just spending time with them and just learning about their backgrounds, but also saying that, Hey, we're here for the same thing. Um, so yeah, it, it's definitely a goal of mine. Cause I actually, I know a couple of buddies of mine are thinking about going to, um, WrestleMania 23 or not 23, oh. uh, WrestleMania, is it 53 next year or whatever, it's whatever it is next year, but that that's in uh, Philadelphia. So they, they split that in two nights. So we might go to one of those. That's always been a dream of mine to go to WrestleMania. So same with Comic-Cons or any type of, like, big conventions. Eventually, 
it will happen. It's just, you know, when you have responsibilities, you have to financially, you know, budget yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could you could do it smart. Like, uh, you know, I spent a little bit more on, on food than I wanted to. And uh, the, the good thing about Comic-Con is you could bring in, like, four or five water bottles and, like, two snacks and a lunch if you would. They will... Nowadays, it's really good. They streamline the security. They don't even like check your bags. You go through an X-ray machine now, and you don't even have to like oh, undo your bags. Awesome. So they don't care. You could bring in. So I could have brought in sandwiches and stuff and made it at home and brought it in and saved money. You know what I mean? So, but there was a few times where, like, a few days where I was like, the first day I was like, ah, screw it, I'm gonna buy breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and it was like, well, sixty, seventy dollars later, just on <laughs> myself. That's like Max. not yeah. the best thing. Oh, let me show you something. I almost forgot my show and tell here. I got a Star Wars book bag, but it's way too far away for me to, to grab at this point. But it's cool because it actually holds a helmet of my Mandalorian helmet, which is really a nice feature. Um, I got a really cool Rogue Squadron, like, in-universe, like, jacket with, like, actual, like, patches of, like, veteran of Yavin, Hoth, and all this. It is so badass. I spent more money than I wanted to on it, but I had to get it. Um... But I have some smaller things to show you. I got some cool toys. So I got this uh, Sergeant Creel Black Series figure. Um, this is a character from the comic book. So I like the box because it's literally just like the issue that he's in. So you can see him. I'm not going to obviously take him out of the box or anything. But, you know, it's just a Stormtrooper with a cool pauldron that has the Imperial logo. And he's got the lightsaber there. Um, nice. So, so cool stuff there. But the one... You know, I, I treat Comic-Con like a scavenging hunt where I have things that are like on my mind that it's like I could easily buy these off Amazon or I could just have fun when I go to Comic-Con every year and just like have that the one thing that I'm going to look out for on my checklist just to be excited. And I actually found well, them. Well, well, that's understandable, though, because, you know, like you mentioned, of course, going to like a Comic-Con or an event like that, you know, you don't want to like just blow money every single day on every little possible chance. Yeah. But, you know, ha having basically like a vacation like that, you want to spend money on it just because it's like, if it's once a year, who cares? Like, you know, what, you know what's a couple hundred bucks or something like if you want to spend it on a collectible or a thing like that? Because yeah. it's like, you know, when are you, when are you, you know, if it's only once a year, then, you know, it's, it's not a big deal. It, it'd be a big deal if it was like every weekend or something, yeah, then yeah. it might be, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, for vacations and stuff, it, it's fine. That's like, that's like back when we went and went to Hawaii back in January. I mean, our listeners probably remember when, when I went there, um, you know, we, we got some nice souvenirs and different odds and ends things because who knows when the next time we'll go back to Hawaii. So like, you know, it's mm -hmm. just, it's just a, a matter of like enjoying yourself, but not like just going crazy, crazy. Yeah. And the other figure I got was this is the one I had on my list. I was like, I got to find me a good old Cobb Vanth. I mean, look at how good the sculpt on his face is. I mean, I'm shocked at how good that looks like for like, Timothy Oliphant's likeness right there. Ah, there we go. It looks really good, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, it's kind of annoying though because they, they, they make the box slightly bigger by having like an additional accessory. Then they charge you like $10 more because they're like, oh, it's a deluxe edition. I'm like, really? <laughs> so yeah, I, I, you know, I paid like $35 for this darn guy but i'm used to the black series figures used to, like costing like 17 18 bucks um so between the two of those it was like 70 bucks boom right there so that was the only yeah, I, you know and i bought like two graphic novels i bought batman hush i got a good deal on that for like 20 something bucks i think 
And then I bought the Devil's Reign Marvel event, which has like Daredevil and Elektra and Kingpin. I bought that, and I think that's. And I bought the Star Wars book, The Path to Deceit, like I was talking about earlier. And yeah, so I, I mean, in reality, I didn't really spend that much, but I was like, man, between the the food and the drinks, that probably would have costed a, like damn near equal to what I spent on merch. <laughs> so I will <laughs> caution people: it's not cheap going to the city. So try to like, you know, budget your money on food at least if you can. Maybe just go out for dinner and try to like get something cheap for breakfast and lunch, because every meal there is like going to be twenty bucks, you know. Oh, twenty oh, yeah. bucks. I imagine twenty twenty bucks for a hamburger for uh, and fries. Twenty bucks for this, you know. It's like they have the food trucks, and you'll wait out there for like thirty minutes to get your food. So it's like you got to think about that too, because if you're going from panel to panel, you have to kind of get there like thirty minutes before a panel starts, so you can try to get a good seat at least. So, like, the time flies by because you'll be like, oh, I got plenty of time. I have, like, two hours to kill. And the next thing you know, you're like, where did they, they go? Like, <laughs> I had all this time and I'm going home now. So, that, that happened a few times. And, you know, four days spent there seems like a lot for a lot of people. But when you have a schedule and things you're trying to do, parties and panels and just going on the showroom floor, I barely was in Artist Alley. I'll be honest. I, I did like a quick walkthrough of Artist Alley. I brought my comics to get signed and I never got signed because I was there for like 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I could have spent a whole day down there, you know. But yeah, I digress. Uh, we're going to move on to our Andor discussion here. We're going to start with episode five. We'll have, I mean, we got a good amount of time to talk about them, but maybe not as in depth as we would on a normal episode here. But we actually don't really have any news because, well, Comic-Con was the news of the week anyway. So it actually worked out in our favor here. Um, but I'll throw it over to Milton, man. What did you think of episode five, the, 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 the episode that came out the previous week, uh, the one called The Axe Forgets? So is this the one just because I because I just watched it last week and like I said I just watched today's episode like two hours ago. Oh okay. Uh, this is yeah. So this is um, this is the one where she meets the Lucian in the shop. She no, talks, this uh, this is the remind, one. Remind me how this one went so I don't forget because I kind yeah. of forget a little bit. Yeah, no, it's 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 all good because I mean I, these episodes are good, but sometimes not a lot happens on the surface level right so they can it's not like boba fett where we're like oh this action moment happens here and this this big thing happens this is more of a subdued episode um this is the episode where we had more going on with andor planning learning how to march oh that's having right. a they're conversation with, okay, with they're, they're preparing to go to meet the people. yeah 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 okay. all right yeah 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 um because this is where i think a dozen what's your name um oh my god female character the lead um and she had the thing with her husband at one point with the seating chart talk about that or that's the previous episode uh, before. that was the previous episode so this one right, she, she we actually we yeah this one we actually get to meet her family though which is interesting we get we actually daughter. get to meet her that's daughter. right yeah yeah, yeah, her daughter. yeah her daughter. okay uh yeah so this this is why i'm confused because this show i will say is one of my complaints i'll get to the negative later yep. but um, that particular episode wasn't too bad. Um, I did like the scene where um, Andor and the three other guys, and even those two chicks, are like preparing and talking about, like obviously how they're going to penetrate the eye or whatever they call in that particular place. Yeah. Um, and 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 they talked about like I guess the importance of like that festival or these that celebration. They kind of hinted at a little bit. Um, 
I, I like that, and it was nice to see how you're seeing Cassian's development. You're seeing what he's going to become when we get to the Rogue One movie. So you're seeing how he's kind of like a hard ass. He's like, I just want to get my money, do the job, and be out. And obviously that's reflective in the last episode, um, for the most recent one. So yeah, I thought that was a good part. That that particular episode, though, didn't, didn't do it for me. Yeah, yeah. Kind of was like, eh. Because didn't... I feel like Mon Mothman and her husband, they were in the car at the end of that episode. Yep, yep. And she, yep. now I did like that scene over there. She was talking about, he mentioned something about, I guess, pressure on her or something. And I was like, okay, that makes sense because she, mm -hmm. she's starting to feel it. And I think yeah, I was thinking she, to myself, go ahead. Oh, I was going to just throw in there real quick. Yeah, she, because in that one, you know, she mentions like how, you know, there's pressure on her and there's more and more people like, basically keeping an eye on her like what she's up to basically they're watching her right so i was thinking i think i mentioned this before but i think the one thing the show that the show does well is that they make fear and paranoia like very oh much yeah it's a, it's a character itself mm -hmm. so yeah i like any, that anytime yeah anytime you see anytime i see mon mothma i'm thinking well who's watching her Who, who's going to reveal that they're a traitor or like they're they're you know working for the empire you know in her in her ranks I honestly, I think it's the husband, low key. I think the husband um, might, be, might be a spy for the rebellion, or excuse me, the, the Imperials. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know anything about the daughter, um, so I really don't think that will come into play. Honestly, every time she's on the screen, Mon Mothma, I pay attention, um, and anytime any Imperial stuffs on the screen, I pay attention. Th that particular episode didn't quite do it for me because um, honestly, I don't remember a lot of it. That's how much I was like, all right, it's yeah. whatever. Oh, that's yeah. the thing right if you look back at the episode and you're like what happened i mean obviously uh episodes need to make an impression right i mean yeah. they shouldn't force me to watch the episode again to like be like what happened again i mean i watch every episode twice but but here's the thing <laughs> this is a turning point guys this is a milestone so i think i've said this in a couple times on the podcast i watched the episode the day it comes out and then I'll watch it again later on with my with my mom, who's been watching every CRC. She literally told me, I got something to tell you today, Chris. I'm not really liking the new Andor show. I think I'm going <laughs> to stop watching it. And I was like, oh, man. I was like, ah, oh, shut me up. Your mom said that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what, though? I'm with your mom. Man. I'm, no I know, lie. I know. This is crazy. Like, this isn't this particular show. It's not trash. Like, I, I just want to make it very clear. Like, this oh, show yeah. isn't trash. Because I will say this past episode is better. Like it was such a better episode compared to episode five. Um, but like, I legit, there are times when I'm watching a show and I'm on my phone just like paying attention to something else, <laughs> and I see it, but I'm not like sucked in. The only time I got sucked in was whenever they showed like the last scene when she's on Coruscant talking to like the uh, Republic. I'm like, okay, because I'm interested in that stuff. But the other stuff about the show. Or that particular episode of last, and even before, I'm just not in, not glued to it. Like I'm not sucked in. There's moments consistently like out of it, and and that's just me. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know, I don't yeah. know what your mom's saying, but if she's is she saying the same thing? Yeah, she's basically saying like, uh, I mean, she's like, oh, I'm not liking this as much as like Boba Fett or or Mandalorian. And I was explaining to her, I was like, what I was telling Ben the other day, I was like, this is literally like a drama. Right, this is not action adventure anymore. Like, everything Star Wars has been action adventure. Even, well, Obi Wan too. Obi Wan's action adventure. This is settling down to be like, okay, this is more like, 
Sopranos or House of Cards or any of those dramas where it's like, okay, character moment, character moment, and then build up to this thing and then character moment. We're following a very pattern, a very present pattern, like, okay, two setup episodes, then a big climax episode, two setup yep. episodes, a big climax. Episode. So I think like having me understand like, okay, not every episode is going to be that way gets me to stomach it easier. Um, but I think that's her thing. I was like, she, she, she gravitates to the more traditional Star Wars, but this is not as traditional as anything else Star Wars has, has been. Um, it's going to be getting there, I think, down the line. But these first couple, uh, at least this first half of the series is definitely something different. Um, would you agree, Ben? Well, yeah, I mean, I have a lot to say about this episode. Like, I think, you know... Um, I definitely agree more like, or lean more toward like Milton's assessment and even your mom's assessment of the show so far. Um, and that's just because like, I think we have an underlying issue with the show. Um, like, and of course the show is going to continue to like progress and build more and whatnot. But I think part of the issue is, and or, I mean, I mean, look, we care about, you know, you're instantly glued to the screen. I mean, you just mentioned it in your um, breakdown, Milton, you, you're, you're glued to the screen when it's Mon Mothma or the Imperials. And, like, Andor is one of these characters... Cassian is one of these characters... Like, Diego, Diego Luna's great and wonderful and everything. But the thing is, he's a character a lot of us just don't really care about. Like, you know, he, he's a side character hmm. from Rogue One. And, you know, of course, Rogue One was, um, was more like Jin's movie. And then, of course, Darth Vader. A lot of the stuff at the end overshadows that movie. But... Um, my thing is, I don't know if a character study for Andor works that well versus, like, I think if we would have gotten a similar, say, setup for Book of Boba Fett, two character-building episodes with Boba Fett, a character where we have vested interest in, and then an action episode, I think that would have worked for that show even better than this show, just because, like, say, like, a general audience person, say, like, your mom, you know, they probably would be hooked to the show a little more because it's Boba Fett, you know, or a character we know, or like even Kenobi. Um, so I think like the underlying like stuff with Cassian is kind of hurting him just because he's like a side character mm -hmm. in the movies. And I, I think that's part of it. And then like the pacing, like my thing is it's great. We're um, like, I saw a great tweet from, I can't even remember who it was from. It was like, a, it was like one of those suggested tweets, you know, that pop up on your timeline. Mm -hmm. It, it was from uh, from some content creator called like Eckert's Ladder, I believe, or something. Oh yeah, yeah. But anyways, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, you know what tweet I'm talking about? He he posted a thing. It was like, you know, this is great. They're making this type of Star Wars in Star Wars with Andor, but you know, he was basically saying like, you know, it's it's fine. Like he doesn't want he doesn't want people he doesn't want Star Wars to like stop making you know, taking chances at making different type of content. Oh, yeah. But, you know, he, he was leaning toward, like, preferring more of, like, the Mandalorian or Kenobi style, etc. Because, you know, that's that's what a lot of it was. And, like, like to me, when it comes to this sort of stuff, like, of course you want Star Wars to be able to, like, take a risk at making content and whatnot. Like, you don't want them not to, like, ever take chances. But a lot of this, like, begs to question, in my opinion does Star Wars need this type of storytelling in-universe? Because, I mean, for every other Star Wars thing, like, the action thing is what, to me, is what's, like, in the bloodline of Star Wars. Like, that's what works. Like, I mean, that's what worked 
even in Book of Boba Fett, the action episodes worked. And once we get into the sixth episode breakdown, that's that that the sixth episode was my favorite one of the season because it worked. Like, I mean, you you literally messaged me back as soon as I messaged about the um, sixth one, Chris, and you're like, "Yeah, I see what's going on here," or whatever. You know, however you responded, and you know, you broke it down because, like, I think a lot of people may not like more of that like slower character storytelling mm-hmm. in star wars mm-hmm. yeah so let, let's break down a little bit more depth of of episode five um so we start right off the bat with this i i love and, and this is the p- parts i love about shows like game of thrones and stuff it's just these like one-on-one characters just uh, talking about like their history making uh you know things on, on one of other points on one another you have this character skeen and he's got these tattoos. Like this guy was obviously like a convict at one point, and he's like on the run or something. So he's got like this history of just like the tattoos, and that was something in Star Wars that they've never really delved into much. Is like Star Wars tattoos, like the fact that this guy's like prisoner numbers, but then he's like of the hand or, or something, and then like the crate's head, and like really cool stuff about just these like two guys that were in jail, like just like reminiscing and just talking about the different things and, and the paranoia that is going through Andor because he's like, oh, I got to figure out, like, I can't have anybody have this kyber crystal. Like, this is, this means a lot to, to Lucian. I can't, I can't, Luthien, I can't lose this or whatever. So I like that aspect where we have a little bit of, like, throughout the episode, like, this happened a couple times. You're like, man, Andor is, like, really crazy about this thing. And that's, like, the one of the, like, little like mini plots of of the episode but yeah just everything with the character skein what'd you think of of that character ben yeah i mean i thought i thought that whole character like the sequences with with cassian and that um like the lead like the lead or the lead um the lead officer not not the obviously he's not a bad guy but you know like the lead officer who was like getting them to march like all that stuff that relationship i think was is uh one of the most like interesting ones of the series so far um, and like, I'm liking those, some of those moments like that, you know, it's just like the overall, like, I feel like some of the scenes are mega extended, but like the moments are good. Like their actors act them out good. Like they, you know, you really felt it when Cassian was like really pressing about getting that cover crystal <coughs> back and stuff. Like you really felt that. So like, you know, Diego Luna's doing a great job in acting by the way, in this, uh, in this series. And, uh, yeah, I thought his, his acting or I thought um, his character moments, like, there in that scene were really good. I thought that was his best part of that episode, specifically. And then, um, and then of course, as we mentioned, like, Mon Mothma, or as Milton mentioned with Mon Mothma, um, her basically saying, like, everybody's, like, you know, people are watching me. Like, you know, the, the fear, like, Genevieve O'Reilly, like, puts across is so good. Uh, like, you know, it, it's translated really well, just the way she's saying her lines. And, like, it's her characters really hitting, I think, even a little more than um, Cassian is. Like, in yeah, terms of, like, you know, the character, like, the, you know, getting the point across, like, they're they're spooked, basically. Did did, did anybody get the point across that Mon Mathma is almost like a villain in this? Because, like, I feel like she's easy to hate, kind of. Or, like, yeah. like the way she's, like, acting, like, stuck up, kind of. Like, she's, like... Oh, like I'm, I'm doing my thing, and like her, her own daughter is like calling her out on it. I know a lot yeah. of people, and I know a lot of people on the internet are like b- bagging on the husband. It's like, oh, he's a terrible guy. But I'm like, did you guys watch episode five? Because like she kind of seems like a 
kind of like a jerk a little bit to her own family like oh i'm gonna do my own thing like like uh, take you to school or whatever the heck it is and it's like no dad yeah. taking me to school I, and i don't know <laughs> well, they, they, they i mean hey like... oh i was gonna i was gonna throw in there real quick i like i mentioned like in the first i think when we were talking about the first three episodes premiere my my thing can't like like that instantly brings me back to my um point i was making when we were reviewing the first three like she may be coming off like that because she hasn't got her hands dirty yet she's still writing the checks she's not in the thick of it you know but mm. no i was gonna say they're, they're making her seem like uh like like a like, like a social media mom like where like she's gonna pick, post yep. all the pictures like she's doing stuff with her kid but the teenager called her out she's like you don't <laughs> ever take me like to school or whatever you don't do x one like, why you want to do this now you know and i was like damn like she must yeah. be either a trash mom or very like just un uh, unavailable mother which i mean it makes sense with her profession but even the husband made it seem like that because the clearly yeah. the daughter the husband or the daughter and the husband have like a very like significant bond together so he kind of called her out on that too he's like yeah you don't normally do that or something yeah that, uh, that's just saying yeah the interesting thing is, I don't know if we went over this in the previous weeks, but Tony Gilroy had put out like a comment on the relationship that's not even pointed out in the show that apparently they have an arranged, they had an arranged marriage, just Perrin and Mon Mothma, like on Chandrilla. They, they, they're not out of it for love. It, it was, I guess, more of like a, a political maneuver to get them to connected in marriage or something to join houses together or something like that. So, I mean, that's obviously why they, they don't seem like they're at least attracted to one another. They're only doing it out of necessity. Um, and apparently the, the, the girl was, like, mentioned in Legends. Not even in... It's, like... I think it's, like, a, an RPG source book or, like, one of those, like, West End game books that they always pull from from, like, the 80s or 90s. Um, so she's, like, a really deep cut. The fact that Mon Mothma actually has a daughter is interesting and i mean geez you gotta wonder like uh, why haven't we heard of this girl i mean you always say that with prequel stories right it's like oh you know like this character wasn't in in these movies but it's in the prequels are that that makes they're automatically dead it's like hmm i wonder if we'll see her like as show up as like a rebel a rebel soldier now and like some retroactive stories like in comics and stuff going forward if she survives at least yeah, I mean, there there's a chance with her. And then, you know, now that I think about it more and more, like, Milton, you made a really good point. Like, I think, I mean, instead of leaning toward the husband getting taken out, I could see, you know, especially after your comment as well, Chris, about the arranged marriage, I could see the husband basically saying, you know what, eventually, screw this, I'm I'm leaving. Let's go turn, let's go turn my, my, uh, cranky wife into the empire and see how this goes you know Ooh. because because what if what if we have that um the one imperial chick that we we all liked th from the meeting what if we have her like put out like a bounty or a thing on the on you know rebel uprising and then you get the husband basically saying "Ooh, let's turn her in to like you know when he gets to his breaking point because i there no matter what it is whether the husband dies or turns the husband is going to be the pushing point for Mon Mothman in this series, I think, because there's no mm -hmm. other way to get her into the thick of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, let's talk a little bit about the Imperials or the bad guys now, because 
um, Daedra Morrow, the Imperial Security Bureau agent. I, I really like where that side is going because we get to see almost like a sympathetic Imperial character. Again, like I, this is why I love this show because it's just focusing on people doing their jobs. Like they're not being inherently evil. They're just working within their system. Same thing with Cyril Corral, uh, Cyril, which we'll uh, talk about in, in a couple minutes here in his story so far. But I like how she treats her like... I wouldn't call like her her helper, whatever that guy is, the other officer. Like she's like, oh, like she's not like that that usual imperial. It's like I don't care if you've lost sleep, you're gonna keep working. Like she's like, oh, you can go home. Like why are you still here? Like like it's a very human uh, reaction of like, oh, we're gonna and and how he's given her information. Like they're trying to figure out the pattern of these attacks. And I love the idea. It's a it's a really good quote that I wish I captured specifically, but it's something along the lines of it's like. It's too good of a pattern. Um, it's too it's too random to not be a pattern or something like that. Oh and yeah, like, she says. Um, oh yeah, I think it's yeah. It's it's too random not to be coordinated, or it's too random not yeah. to be a pattern. Like yeah, it's, it's something along those lines. Which that means you know we're going to be getting something with with that's going to pay off into something as well. Oh yeah, and we'll, we'll we'll hear about that. We'll talk about that more in a few minutes when we talk about episode six. Um, but Milton, what do you what do you think about the whole conversation at the breakfast nook with Cyril and his mother? Um, I mean, I don't know. Like that guy's kind of weird. I don't even care. Honestly, <laughs> I forgot about that character until you just what? Me. Honest to God, he's like one of the most compelling <laughs> like, characters in the show. He doesn't do anything. Like. Like, I mean, well, that's he, the like point. they talked about. He's a like usual ordinary like, guy. Huh? <laughs> he's he's an ordinary guy just doing his job, and he gets screwed over, and now he's at the bottom of the rungs of the leader right, right. of the, of the ladder. And now like, he's, he's he's not he's not interesting, like because he's doing nothing. <laughs> he's just getting chastised by his mom the whole time. But I think and that's like, going to be important for later on. We're going to see how far he which, climbs which, up to be a radical person. He's going to be an absolute radical person. Watch. By episode watch. I mean, like he's 10 or 12, fast. he's going to do some like crazy terroristic like radical <laughs> stuff. I mean, we're seeing the beginnings of like a, a madman happening before our eyes in the Star Wars universe. I'm telling you. Uh, I Listen, I, I, I hear you <laughs> and you're probably right. Like, all I saw his mother do was just shit on him the whole time. Talked about, like, his uncle. She's, like, her uncle. I reached out to your uncle or something. Yep, I know they had yep. a conversation about an uncle. Yep, Harlow. Literally, Harlow. I'm, thinking like, I'm thinking, like, all right, this, is, this isn't this is moving the story for me. Now, it's probably going to pay off later. Like, they wouldn't put that there for no reason. They wouldn't talk about this uncle or just show the mom being disrespectful and just showing this guy in the dumps. It's like, what is he going to do? Um, cause I, I have no interest in his character at all. Like anytime he's on the screen, I really don't pay attention. Only, See, only I, reason why I paid attention was because I think that that same day you made your one editorial video about the cereal <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah. I was like, Oh, well, I, I, so, so I'm thinking, well, Chris must've saw something in this. Let me make sure I pay attention. And I was like, nah, he's, he's just eating, um, he's eating Captain Crunch. I don't yeah. care. <laughs> That was the video. Ordinary mundane things in Star Wars, everybody. We got we got calf canonized on a live action screen. Boy, I hear you but, Captain Crunch and blue milk. I'm like, all yeah. right, bro, I eat that all the time too. Yeah. <laughs> we got so blue you, noodles. You, you, you can, we got you can blue cereal. To it, <laughs> Seriously, oh, the only reason why man. I watched that scene because when you, when I saw it, you popped your video. I was like, okay, let me at least there might be something here. 
I was like, nah, he's just getting disrespected. And I'm like, okay, I don't care about you eating cereal, bro. Move on. But I, 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 I yeah. I, I do think, though, um, I mean, you do raise good points there, Milton, with, um, like, your criticism of that scene. I feel like that scene is another example of scenes, like, in this show that are just drug out a little too long. Like, you know, you could have cut down on, you could have kept the scene, but cut down on on some of it. Like, because that scene works for me, as it, it works for me, but... It, it does feel drug out. Because, like, when I was watching it, I was like, man, where are we going with this? Like, is there going to be, I don't know, like an Imperial officer busting in? Like, you know, just something, or him get a call on his comm link and be like, hey, come back, we need to blah, blah, blah. And it was just kind of, like, drug out with his but, mom. And, and I just think if they trim some of these scenes down a little, it would it would help the pacing. But that's the beauty of the scene, Ben, is that in Star Wars, we haven't gotten just, like, a regular, ordinary scene between a mother and a son and her just like crushing him about his like <laughs> defeat of his job and get it like <laughs> like and uh, that's what i love and, and we were talking about earlier about you know that the guy at Teller saying hey it's great to see star wars like get get chances at doing something new and different and, and to six you know exceed our expectations or, or, or um uh, what what's the word that the last Jedi got a lot of people? Brian Johnson sub subvert expectations. That's the word subvert. Like like you would think, yeah, something's gonna happen here, but it's just this quiet conversation over a bowl of of cereal, blue milk, and and something about that. Like again, I keep calling back to like the Sopranos. Like I think you know Tony Soprano and a mother like had the same kind of thing. So I was like, oh, this is like literally Sopranos in space. This is freaking <laughs> awesome right now, man. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's see. You, I don't know. I think that's I... Some, but that's where you lose viewers. That's where you lose your mom, in my opinion. Like that's 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 where you lose viewers from. Like like I get what you're saying completely, Chris. Like on the, you know, the meaning and and all that. But I think that's where you get people going. Man, we're five episodes into this show. What's going on here? Like, yeah, but, there's right, twelve we're episodes. Saying, we're not working at six. With the Sopranos. Look, I like I like the Sopranos. I like the Wire. I like the West Wing. Even the scenes that are quiet scenes or that, that are scenes that are pushing along the narrative but in a slow manner, still interesting scenes and this interesting dialogue. I did I don't remember what was actually said except for like the uncle. Like I don't the dialogue was kinda not doing it for me. Like it's not really keeping me engaged. That's why West Wing and Sopranos and the Wire works, because the dialogue really drives like a slower scene or a scene that's not action packed scene didn't push anything it wasn't driving in my opinion it wasn't driving anything okay. I, I was not interested but I, like i don't disagree like i think i think we can get moments like the sopranos or with the wire and the, these type of star wars shows gotta be uh what's the word i want to use it gotta be provocative there's yeah. nothing provocative about that scene nothing saying like wait like that wow like they really went there like they're really pushing the envelope with that particular dialogue or what they're trying to push here not that particular scene. I was like, nah, he just, he, she's just disrespecting him. Let's call him a loser. <laughs> like, I, I, okay, I, yeah, like, yeah. We're, we're, yeah. we're seeing how down he can get before he comes back up. So that, that I mean, yeah, yeah could whatever. it have been more dynamic or kinetic with the dialogue? Sure. Um, it could be to your interpretation as, as it all is, but, um, no, it's valid. It's valid. Um, what I do want to talk about is, the one character, Nemec, who is the younger guy that's in that Aldani squad of the Rebels. And this stuff was profound. This 
stuff he was talking about with creating a freaking manifesto in the Empire and just talking about this philosophy in a freaking Star Wars show. Like, this stuff freaking blew my mind. The fact that they're actually going there, like, that deep into the into the subtext of what it is. And he goes over this in Episode 6 as well, like, what it is to be a weapon, what it is to be a mercenary. And it, like, brought me back to, like, my college days and, like, philosophy class and everything. I was like, this is so neat. And then he was talking about the analog technology. And, and I mean, I know there's a lot of people out there in this country specifically, like, you know, to be so tied in with the grid of the electricity and, and the Wi-Fi and Internet and all that stuff. If that stuff goes down, we're all screwed, right? So the fact that they make, um, Tony Gilroy makes, like, a... Um, I, I keep forgetting these words about like comparing like um, fiction to reality right now. Like, okay, like we're getting this allegory on like, hey, like don't be dependent on all this stuff because it could go down or get screwed. So they have that technology. So I really appreciated those little like nuances because we know the rebels, they always deal with like the older technology that's outdated and things. So we get a little bit more as like subtext on like, hey, maybe why it's Nemec that like started this whole thing or something like that. So I, I, I really like that conversation. I think Nemec is one of the cooler characters in this show so far. Cause he, he introduces like new ways of thinking. Yeah. I mean, look, I think I, I, when it comes to these particular characters, I mean, I, I, I'm liking actually that, that little group of them. I really do like them. I don't know why, Especially, um, oh my God, the one that, one that put the knife to his neck. What's oh, Sheen, Sheen, I think, or Sheen, or Scheme, or something. Sheen, yeah. That's a perfect name for him because you know, especially after what happened in episode six. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the manifesto kid, I, I do like him because he was like making you question some stuff, and even in episode six, he said about, "Are we just supposed to, you know?" Like accept accept what's given to us. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it makes a good point. And honestly, his manifesto and what he was spouting off, like, it kind of does make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually was agree. I was agreeing with them like a little bit about it. So no, I like like what they're trying to do with that. And I'm hoping with how episode six ended, it comes back into play somewhere. Oh yeah, Ben, what do you think about this this conversation here in episode five? Yeah, I mean, like you both said, it um, you know it, it alludes to like uh, real life stuff as well as you know in universe. So those type of allegories are always are always nice in shows, just because you know they're they're nice um, you know they're nice uh, subconscious um, things that you know us you know we know. So like it's it's definitely cool getting that sort of stuff thrown in there into the conversation and then like his character you know like you said milton he's definitely has an interesting uh path considering the next episode but uh <laughs> but yeah like his character his character has been a has been a good one and then as you mentioned as well milton another another good point on like i'm really like i do like for, for my criticisms of like and or or like the casting stuff being slower I do like the group chemistry between yeah. the, that group of characters. Like the, the, I think the actors are doing a really good job, especially, um, you know, like you said, that Sheen guy, the the girl that's in the group. She's she's done a really good job. Val, it's funny, Val, like Val Suthier yeah, or something. Yep, yeah, it, it's it's funny with um, 
me and my buddy had a good laugh about it. We're like, man, they're, uh, that's the first time in Star Wars they've actually alluded to, like, sex. When, when, uh, when Andor looks at, like, that girl, it was funny because, like, the guy was like, oh, she's sharing blankets with another, another person already. And, like, that's yeah. the first time we've ever had, like, an illusion like that in <laughs> Star Wars, which was, which was funny. But, you know, that just shows you, like, this show's being taken more seriously than or a, a more of a serious tone than like other projects, which is, which is fine. Like, you know, um, like it's cool. Like, like to me, I think honestly, if we could get like somewhere, you know, this is obviously for like other, another whole nother podcast, but if we could get to a show like somewhere between like this and the Mandalorian, like somewhere in between like a happy medium, I think it would be a great show. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think the whole group dynamic between Andor and his crew, I guess, um, it's a really good group dynamic. It's it's working very well because, um, well, we're spending time, first of all, we're spending a lot of time. We're spending as much time with these characters as we would spend with characters in a single movie, right? So we're getting a lot more deeper in these characters. Um, Bad Batch, man, I love I love the show, but you know when you introduce characters in a single twenty minute episode and they're and they're gone by the next episode, like you don't really remember them. They don't make an impression. Whereas these guys were stuck with them for a couple episodes, so they do make an impression. And it's not just because they have screen time; it's because we're actually getting deeper into the layers of those characters. One thing I wanted to bring up was the backstory. I love how we're getting basically from each character, like why between episode four, especially between episode five and six, like why they hate the, the empire, why they have a vendetta, whether it be Lieutenant Gorn and his, his lover being killed or, um, skiing. And, and we find out what his cover story was and then what happened later on after the fact uh, we find out all these characters. Uh, the one guy was an ex stormtrooper, right? So there's all these people that have, vendetta's reasons for being part of the rebellion and being the true believers that they are that early on in definitely helps to to like them better right because didn't like that one commander like he i thought they alluded to him they said he fell in love with like one of the locals right yeah i was thinking it was a blonde chick because it's just how they shot the camera over but i mean that's that's cool motivation to want to turn on the imperials because i mean they, they killed i'm assuming they killed his girl yeah yeah yeah, one, one last thing I want to talk about before we score this episode and go to the most recent episode is, man, I love how this show is making a TIE fighter such a fearful object. And not just the look of it, but the sound, the sound design of that classic screech and, and the, the fact that we hear it before we see it. And how everybody's scrambling to like get the weapons covered and everything and how it just like comes so close to the ground, like almost brushes into them. It's like terrifying, man, and and I bravo, you know, forty five years later or whatever, and we're still getting the we're getting terror like we've never gotten before ever with with a Tie Fighter. And nah, legit. I mean, the the sound. I will say the one thing about this show, and I think I've said this thus far, is the special effects has been on point. Like they, oh, they're yeah. definitely putting in movie movie budget into the show. I mean, I guess they kind of have to with twelve episodes. It's gonna cost more, but the special effects just looks like it's just just a movie broken up in twelve episodes. You know, like yeah. how it looks. Like it's yeah. not cheap looking. It's well lit. You know, especially with episode when they're doing the Coruscant stuff. I feel like we're watching the movie, the prequels. Like I'm like, oh, that oh, looks yeah. just like it. Yeah. Even in the uh, in, and we'll talk about in episode six with the whole like 
scene of like the celebration i'm like dude that looks amazing just for that so the special effects have been on point the tie fighters look great they sound great so yeah i have to say that's probably the most consistent positive thing of this show yeah i think uh feels really big with the with the scenery that's what uh battle in boston's is doing talking in the chat um, Dark Nerdy Gonzo's chiming in saying Andor has been great. The feel kind of reminds me of how a tabletop RPG mission plays out. Weirdly appropriate with the imp troopers that were a callback to West End Games. Star Wars RPG of how the Empire is portrayed. Yeah, I love the outfits of the Imperials. Uh, they all have like that General Veers look of like the, you know, the the, 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 the flak jackets with the helmets. Uh, that, that's a really sweet design. Um hoping for some Star Wars Legion miniatures to come out three years from now. <laughs> With those guys, they take a while on the production line. Um, but yeah, I think uh, going back to the special effects of why they look good, I mean, I think it could be chalked up to they have more time with this show. I think what happens is when you're book of Boba Fett and you have to like get squeezed into a timeline, they don't have as much time to work on the special effects. There was a really funny line in the She-Hulk show, if any of you guys are still watching it out there, in the finale um they make a fourth wall break though actually basically half that episode of the finale is a fourth wall breaking point which is mildly entertaining but they make a reference to like the marvel's um special effects team um they're like oh we can't we can't show she hulk changing um we actually have to go on to the next special um movie next because that's our budget so it's just like okay um we got to go to the next thing we got to go so so with andor i feel like they're not having to catch up because they're not all part of the Mandoverse. So they're not all so tied in. So it's like, oh, yeah, Andor will come out when it wants to. Like, we know that this next season is probably not coming out until 2024. So they have a lot of time to, like, really work, like, to make this look like a movie, you know? So, well, uh, well yeah. the, the thing is with the whole um, special effects and, like, the cinematography and everything visually about the show is, you know, it just wasn't um, solely shot in the volume like most of Mando and Boba. And, I mean, Mando works because Westerns work in the volume, in the volume, um, you know, like, for the design. But, like, Boba and Kenobi being as expansive as they were, um, you know, that's what hurt those shows visually um, was because, like, the volume's limiting. Like, we saw it in, like, the, you know, whatever episode it was when Reva, like, the fifth episode when she captures Kenobi and brings him in and out of that building. Like, that whole sequence looks so tight, like, mm -hmm. visually, versus what we're getting here i think this show was shot over i think it was in pinewood uh at yeah, pinewood yeah, studios yeah. i believe mm -hmm. yeah so you know that's a totally different caliber of like of of uh like the soundstage and everything compared to the volume is like you know they shoot actual movies there like that's where most of the james bond movies are made and um yeah like it's just it's just a totally different ball game like i guarantee you if if kenobi or boba were shot in pinewood it would be totally different than than what it looks like you know yeah the cinematography is really on point i love when you get to see like the shots of the dam of the bridge and you see like the really wide shots of like behind the back of like lieutenant gorn as he's just like walking doing his rounds like it's such a wide angle and it looks so grand because they're shooting literally like you said like in scotland or whatever that was shot so everything yep. is so everything is so authentic, and it looks like we're watching a Rogue One prequel. It's sick. Um, yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna just say like my recap of of this episode before we move on. So yeah, this was obviously a table setting episode or a setup episode for for the the little uh, conclusion of this mini arc, as I call it, for the Aldani arc. 
I will say it this you know I'm looking at this in hindsight so it's not exactly fair because I'm probably gonna grade it more higher because now I know where it leads but yeah um, but just going off of the things I was talking about like getting deeper into the characters uh, with stuff like about a manifesto fantastic cinematography as I mentioned uh, getting more about uh, the Mon Mothma and her family learning more about that learning more about the tension that's between um, what's going on with the family there and just all of that, seeing the tension that's built up with a TIE fighter, seeing uh, the stress that uh, Lu Lucian is, is going through um, with just like the whole impact of how this is going to go, the galaxy will be watching. All that, I, I got to say, it's, it's a solid 8 out of 10 for me. I'll throw it over to Milton. Um, yeah, I mean, so just speaking for episode 5, I mean, honestly... It was it was very forgettable for me. I'll just keep it real. Um, it, again, it wasn't terrible. It's just very forgettable in that sense of like I didn't really pay attention, like I thought I would. I mean, there's parts of it where I was like, okay, I was invested. There's parts where I was just not really into it. But I mean, I, I knew the premise of what they were doing in that episode. Uh, again, it looked visually stunning. And there are parts about the show that I really like when this particular episode itself. So, probably give it. Six out of ten. Okay. Six out of ten. Got an eight out of ten. What about you, Ben? What are you going to finish episode five, The X Forgets With? Yeah, I would say, you know, I can, I can kind of like say a lot of, a lot of the, um, a lot of the good parts and bad parts of it, you know, are similar to both you guys. Like, I feel like some of the, um, some of the character moments are pretty good in the episode, like we mentioned with, um, some of the conversations Cassian was having, some of the intrigue from Mon Mothma, as well as like the relationship with her and her husband and daughter, like that's all really interesting to me. But to me, overall, like the episode, due to the pacing issues, due to that um, the extended, too extended of a breakfast scene with um, uh, that that guy and his mom. Cyril. Um, yep, him. Um, between him and his mom, like, that, I feel like, drug the episode on a little too much, and I just feel like we're getting a lot of these, like, hanging on scenes for just a tad too long, like, 30 seconds too long, you know? It just feels like it's, like, you know, some scenes are getting hung on for a little bit too long. So, for me, I would say this was probably the worst episode of the series, because up to this point, I think I've given... I gave the first three episodes or four episodes sevens or 7.5s. So I would have to give this one a six um, as well. Okay. Yeah, and I do want to acknowledge the one scene we didn't talk about, which was a scene where, uh, scene where Skeen has a knife to Andor's throat. I, I, I felt the tension there. That was like, whoa, this yep. guy's this guy's going here and then it gets broken up by the TIE fighter. But I thought that was brilliant. Um, because it adds layers that we see pay off in this next episode. So the next episode we're talking about is the most current one that came out on Wednesday. That's episode six, marking it the halfway point for the series or the season of the season one of the series. That is called the Eye. Um, I'll throw this one off to Ben. I started last time. Uh, what was your initial thoughts? Well, Milton started off last time. What was your initial thoughts, Ben, on the Eye? Yeah, I would say this episode has to be the best episode of the series so far, um, and that's by a mile, I think. Um, and that's just because I think it feels the most Star Wars to me personally. It's like my subjective um, 
viewing of Star Wars. Like, I just feel like Star Wars should be have more action and um, more, like, feel of high stakes in it. And this episode definitely did that. Um, so, like, to me, I think it was the best episode for that reason. Like, for the action, for the, um, like, the stakes for all the different characters. Like, you know, the mission that was they were uh, going on and whatnot. Like, you felt like, you felt the actual stakes for these characters um, versus, like, you know, being more slow and character-based, as we mentioned with our review of the last episode. I think this one was the best one um, for that reason. Milton? Yeah, I have to say this is probably... This is a good episode. I'll be honest <laughs> with you. So, um, there's parts about it where I was like, alright, whatever, it's just slow. But then it was like, it picked up... Like It, it was well-paced for the most part. I, I think some of the heist stuff been moved a little bit quickerly, like what they were trying oh. to set up, but it just, it made sense. But it just, if they would have just sped it up a little bit just to get to the point, but overall, I like this episode. I thoroughly thought the last 15 minutes was well done. You know, how they executed uh, you know, the heist, how they showed, you know, that Indoor isn't just some, like, cold-hearted, you know, dick. He cared about that kid that got hurt. And how that the lady wanted to drop him off, but he's like, no, we're going to find the doctor. And so it showed that Cassian had character. It showed that he yeah. actually doesn't just care about himself. So I really appreciated that. Um, I liked how, I liked how you're starting to see like what the rebellion really is all about and, and what it will become. Cause you, you get to see that not everyone's about just, you know, you know freedom. People are selfish too. Obviously, seeing that you know that scheme guy is like, listen, let's just take this money and leave him. And he's like, no, and he just kills him, just wipes him out. Oh, uh. wow. like, oh, I didn't see that coming. I mean, you kind of knew it was coming, but you didn't see it coming. <laughs> he pulled no, and it was out. like, it was like, oh, that's pretty much Cassian. Like he did it in the first five minutes of the movie. So like, that makes sense. He's just going to just wreck people. Because then thinking about it, it's an echo of one of like Cassian killed an innocent man. The greater good of the rebellion. He's like, well, I'm going to kill this guy who, quote unquote, might be innocent or not innocent for the greater good of the rebellion's future, especially when it mm -hmm. comes to the financial component of it. They need this money to pay these people that are like fighting against the empire. Oh, so, yeah, I, I thought it was a solid episode. I actually was very invested in this episode. Yeah, I think this is one of the best Star Wars episodes anything ever made. This this was a freaking masterpiece. This episode here was uh, far better than I, I made a video about this for my weekly videos on Andrus, the best heists in all of Star Wars. Um, the characters, the tension, the feeling, the aftermath, we see it from start to finish in a laser-focused view. I, I think the best thing I can say about this episode is I felt like I was part of the team. I felt like I was part of that crew that was there infiltrating the space um, from start to finish. We see such amazing payoff. We've been seeing two episodes of these people training, of learning how to march, learning the positions, pointing out before they even got there, okay, this thing's going to be here, this thing's going to be there. Um, we, we learned about, oh, what 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 is this eye thing? Uh, but the cool thing is, like, the whole time they're explaining this is it's very abstract. Like, the, the last two episodes and even the beginning of the third episode, like, they're explaining it. But you still aren't quite sure, like how the the plans all fit together. They're all so compartmentalized. You have Vel and you have Cinta that are going to go off and do something else. You're not sure what that is. So even though you have an idea of what might roughly happen, 
you are still getting surprised um, moment to moment to moment. And I love the fact that like we are so laser focused on this specific area. We're not cutting back the Coruscant. We're not cutting back the Ferrex. This is a very important moment in not only the show's history, but like this moment here is going to be huge as we see for the end of the episode. This is like the coming out party sort of thing for the Rebel Alliance in a certain way of like, oh, these guys can actually make a name for themselves. They could actually be a thorn in the Empire's side to a certain degree. And, you know, just like um, Luthen says, I want to stick a, stick a, put a stick in the Empire's eye or whatever it was like that. And they certainly did here. But, I mean, from start to finish, I've, I felt like there was so much tension and so many stakes were, were raised just from all the development, all the, the reason why I cared about these characters. And... Uh, the cinematography, every everything about it was just freaking awesome. Uh, yeah, that's as that's as much as I want to say right off the bat because uh, there's a lot of little components I want to dive in a little bit deeper. Um, starting with the juxtaposition and the kind of the red herring of the Aldani people. Now I mentioned like we are solely focused, like centered, focused on the 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 very um, well orchestrated thing that's happened everything is happening so well like okay they're like what's going to be the hitch in this thing there's got to be something that goes wrong right there's got to be something and they keep cutting back to these aldani people and the fact that they're like celebrating you're like oh these are the people these these guys are going to end up like rebelling against the empire they're going to screw up the whole plan so like they do this really great job in this episode of like pointing you to a certain direction of like oh here's where this is going to go wrong but then something completely else happens and the next thing you know, they're on the run and people are getting shot down left and right. And it's like Rogue One all over again. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, as far as taking it from here to go somewhere specific, um, starting off with the Empire, man, like like the devious things that they are open to. And what this show does so well is it shines a light on the Empire's effect on the local population of the planets they're on. We had seen this previously in Ferrix, and now we're seeing it, you know, there's like 500, there's hundreds of these guys and are leading them all down the trail with freaking bars and taverns. Like, it's like crazy what the Empire's doing. So so I want to kind of like gloss, uh, kind of go into that point, Ben. And, and what'd, you, what'd you think about these, the, the engineer and, and the commandant and that conversation of like, just the devious things the Empire's up to to just kind of get their way in these worlds? Yeah, I mean, you know, like you mentioned, it's it's cool getting to see, like, some of the behind-the-scenes, like, um, you know, like you said, like, the devious, like, nature, like, different things like the Empire is doing. Because a lot of the stuff with the Empire, you know, has been, uh, I would say, like, really black and white up to this point. Like, mm -hmm. say, in, like, the, the original trilogy or Rogue One or comics or books or whatever, um, you know, I feel like a lot of it's been really black and white or like you know it's always like intergalactic stakes and stuff versus like what they're actually up to like specifically at this location you know um it's so like it's great getting to see like some of the behind the scenes um conversations and things like these imperial officers or imperial employees i guess you would say are having just because you know most of the time it's the high level chatter we're dealing with like Tarkin or Krennic mm -hmm. or whoever like you know Krennic may be may come off as like an under like an, an underdog but you know like a 
like he he comes off as like a lower level person in Rogue One, but you know he's much higher than any any of these people we've, we're going to see in this series for, for the most part. So like, um, you know, there's that, and uh, yeah, I, I just feel like that adds an interesting dynamic to these imperial um, these imperials in the series. Yeah, Milton. So what what you think about the whole idea that? The rebels are basically taking hostages, in, including kids. At this point, I was a little bit shocked about about that moment there. I'm not and only. I say that only because, again, we were told that this is a different Star Wars show. It's very much of the formation of the rebellion, how it became what it is. And even when Rogue One came out, people kept saying, "Oh, that's a war film. It's going to be different. It's going to be different." So in war or any any start of a rebellion, there's going to be sacrifices made that are probably immoral or questionable. Now, yes, they they didn't kill the child, or you know whatever. But at the same time, you know you can't take. I mean, you can't you can't chance anything. So I, I understand why they did it. And to me, it made sense because if if they had let that kid go, that kid would have screwed up the plan. Mm-hmm. He he would have gone screaming out some door. Some and it's not like he's some yeah. random kid from the village. He's that commandant's son, so people know what he looks like. They know who he is. He probably knows who to go to. So I'm not surprised that they held the kid hostage, and I was okay with it. That's so cool. First of all, let's just focus on the idea that we actually get to see a family of the, of an imperial commandant, like an imperial higher up, like. Again, like I, yeah. I just love the focus of the the small little details in, in this Star Wars show that has given us like a glimpse at like things that you might see in, in a comic book or you might you definitely get to read that in a novel and that's why like this show almost feels like I'm reading a, a Star Wars novel with all these like really minor details and characters but just like they're adding like that whole scene that they had with the commandant and the kid that's adding like a little bit of like humanity to the empire. Like, Oh yeah. Like they have families and kids too. Like they're not, you know, they're they They look, t- they are terrible, but they, they, they still have families to a certain degree. So, uh, it's something to think about at least. Yeah, I mean, cause he's, oh, he's, yeah. he's like, he's like, Hey, listen, like, you know, you gotta be on your best behavior. This has to go perfect. Cause we're trying to get the hell out of here. They don't want to be there. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Oh yeah, I mean that that added aspect to um to the rebels. It's you know, you know, like you mentioned Milton, we we expected it, expected it to a degree just because like they talked about it and you know what we saw from Rogue One with Cassian, but it was like interesting getting that from like the rebels point of view because we I think we talked about it even leading into this series like you know, technically like if you if you viewed the Imperials like as running the the government and running the world just fine, like you'd view the rebels as basically like an an enemy. If you know, if you're fine with mm-hmm. if you're fine with the rule of law, like the Imperials are having, like the rebels could technically be the bad guys. Hmm. Yeah, that's what Andor looks like in the first couple episodes with Cyril Karn trying to crack down. Like this guy, he killed two of my yep. my coworkers. Like, of course, I'm going to try to bring him in. Like, this guy's a bad guy. And until we know Rogue One, if we haven't watched, if we hadn't watched Rogue One right now, we'd be like, we're just following the idea of this guy's a criminal main character, basically at this point. Yeah. But uh, also a big element of this of this episode that really stood out to me, some one of the best things Star Wars has done with a planet or anything, is just a, a, the planet's phenomenon thing that happens like every decade called the Eye. 
And we see it start off, and I love how it's just such a character in its own right throughout this episode. Just like everybody's reacting. Even when you're like you're underwater and you're seeing uh Cinta and you're seeing Vel going across, which I love that design of like that little like submersible turbo jet thing. You even see like the star like going across. And like that's the cover. Like that's what's gonna be the one um uh, fulcrum in this whole operation to get it to go, is they use that as a way to be like okay, let's go now because now the Imperials, even though we jammed their communications, they're thinking it's just the atmosphere thing that's screwing it up. They're not going to really think too much of it. So now is a good time. So like all, all the planning that took to, to get there, but yeah, just the idea of the eye and about how it, it intensifies to the point where it becomes like a, a, a complete plot point when can Andor is like flying through that thing using the analog system of the guy that's being pumped up by a freaking adrenaline needle on his deathbed like this is the most raw crazy star wars i've ever seen this is insane and i'm uh, the fact that we're getting this on a tv screen that that freaking sequence was incredible i couldn't believe that i was watching it at home it was a good scene i mean I, I think that's where you know the visuals for me it really kicked in just because it's like uh, like if this was you know on network tv we wouldn't have gotten that it would have been some trash cgi you know but mm-hmm think with a streaming show show like this and with star wars being the property and with disney backing it up like they went above and beyond like that i thought scene was really good it kind of reminded me from the of the kessel run yeah Han so in, in, uh, in solo i got a so, lot of solo like, vibes yeah I, it reminded me of that and i thought they did a really good job and you know that that particular thing with the eye was very and that added to star wars you know because we don't really mm -hmm. get to see um, you know, like the religion component of it besides the force. Now, I will say a negativity about this episode was the stupid chant. I could have done without it. No, like that that thing well, was... I wasn't feeling it. That, and again, this goes it. back this goes back to the tension thing of them cutting back and forth to these guys like, oh my god, yeah, they, 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 bur they, bur they, they burned the, the, the goat sacrifice fur thing like these guys are going to start their own rebellion so it was like every time they would cut back i was like holy crap they're about to just like gun down the imperial or try to get the imperial so like it, it like added at least to me like i think that purpose was like to add like a little bit of tension more like it gets louder and, and more like you know there's more vibrant and everything I'm like oh right. <laughs> I, I didn't see that just because I, I didn't think that only because he talks about how they're like like we we give them what they think they need or what they want or something, and I was like, yeah, like they don't they don't see him as a threat. That that's what I took away when he talked about those people, like the people hiking up the hill. He's like, yeah, they started out at like was it fifteen hundred or something. Well, here's 16. the thing. Yeah, here's the thing. So those sixty people that are left are the ones that didn't buy into that crap. So those exactly. are the guys. That would be the extreme ones because there's little ones where they're like on pins and you. That's why they had the, the armed guys around them because they're like at any moment these guys could turn because they're not buying into our crap because that's our barrier. That's their burial land. And then at, at one point or their ancestral land with the temple there. And then like at one point, um, Lieutenant Gorn was like uh, or somebody asked Lieutenant Gorn, I think, like what what happens if they don't move or something like that and he's like that's gonna be the way they gotta move so like i, I think at the same time they were also like that's why I, I took i was like oh well these guys couldn't like turn on them at any moment here hey, but again I, I just didn't see him as a threat i mean i i never thought that i was like okay like what are they gonna do now again we don't know but i mean again i just felt the whole chant thing i mean they would have cut to it once okay we get their donor chant the prayer multiple times like, okay i'm not feeling this it kind of just 
it, it just wasn't necessary in my opinion. But overall, I I mean the episode was fire. I mean other I mean the execution of the heist was on point. Um, I like how they they escaped and how it ended. So yeah, I don't have many complaints except for that one or two things. But yeah, I thought it was a good episode overall. Yeah, I think that the stuff with the vault was really cool. That's where I got the solar vibes. It, it reminded me of like going through Castle of Mines with the coaxium with the cart that Han was pushing with, with Chewie there. And it was like the fact that the they were so well-timed on everything. They were like, okay, we got 14 minutes. We have 10 minutes. Whatever reason, I don't know why I, I focus so much on time with Andor. <laughs> like everything from the guy ringing the bell at like the morning and at night then they're, they're talking about precise like there's a lot of stuff with time like I, I seen in that one video um that i did before it was like oh yeah they showed like the chronos in star wars which is like their watch they call the chronos in star wars they showed that a bunch of times so everything is like orchestrated like a like a well-oiled machine and th they're all trained to do this and they they get all the imperials to even work for them which was i thought was kind of funny like they have so much power and they show the detail of, like they're padding down all the imperial workers to make sure they don't have any sidearms on them or anything and they're like forcing them to get all the freaking credits into their own ship to get out like i thought that was that was freaking ballsy of them but it was working it was working really well and then even the commandant has like a freaking heart attack because he's like like running around with the sleds and the guys come out like ah, he's holy fat. crap yeah that too because he's trying to put on the belt they showed that earlier in the episode and his wife basically just calls him fat at that point yeah hey, yeah get, get in shape bro you're, you're an imperial officer <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah i i uh yeah i i feel like i feel like some of the the uh the stuff with the imperials was pretty good in this one um, you know, like the little details, like, like, like with characters like that, um, you know, just like the belt, like, you know, just like little implications for characters. But yeah, I can agree with you though, Milton. Like, I feel like they cut to the chant a little too much. Um, like you could have done it one time because I think like I gauge a lot of shows or movies on how many times do you look at your phone during it? Like that's, that's a big gauger. Like whether you're actually engage with the show or not because if you feel like looking down to check twitter or check your texts then the show's probably not engaging you as much as you'd hope so like me like some of the moments like that like with the chant thing it's like oh man i'm taking a quick glance at my phone real quick um but like but yeah i think i think like things like this are um you know it, it is interesting like adding that bit of like like religion and culture into star wars just because as you mentioned, Chris, um, you know, we've only really seen the Force in Star Wars. So, like, what else is out there in terms of, like, religion or cultures with Star Wars? Like, we haven't really seen too much of that for the most part. I mean, even in, even in like, current canon, like, I mean, we sell some stuff like the Dathomir, like the witches on Dathomir, that would be kind of something cultural. And then, like, even in, like, non-canon, like, like the uh, the Tartakovsky Clone Wars, where you have Anakin meet with like that tribe of like aliens. Like other than that, like we really haven't had much of like cult different cultures in terms of like their their beliefs or like religions in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. So it is kind of cool seeing that added. It's funny. It's really funny because going back to this week in Star Wars comics, 
literally the same day this episode came out, issue number one of the High Republic came out, and it's all focused on um, a Jedi, a Jedi named Vel Veldar Mac, I believe his name is, and he's arriving on Jeddah. And Jeddah, four hundred years before Rogue One, basically has this thing called the Convocation of the Force. Basically, the Jedi aren't the prime force on Jeddah. There's all these other religions. There's all these other religions, whether it be uh, the Sorcerers of Tund, of the Path of the Open Hand, of the um, Disciples of the Wills. Like, there's all these other sects that follow the Force, which blew my mind because I'm like, oh my gosh, we're like we're so used to like the Jedi and the Sith and the, the fact that you have these other cultures, kind of like from Star Wars Rebels or, you know, you got the Lasats that practice that. Um, I forget what they call the Force. Um, the Ashla, they call it the Force of the Ashla, going back to the, their home planet, Lasan. And then you have over there on Dathomir, the, the Night Sisters of Dathomir, they follow the magic of the Force, which they channel into like our, uh, green magic. So, yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot of room for Star Wars to grow beyond just the Jedi and just the Sith. And uh, even if these guys aren't even, like, believers of the Force, it's still cool to see, like, a different culture that's so diverse from what we've seen uh, that breaks the mold from, from before. So before we wrap up for this episode, we definitely got to talk about the end kind of, like, epilogue scene, if you will, where it's like we see the Senate Chambers for the first time. And in a way that was not as glorious as I think a lot of us would expect because I don't know if the, the, the Senate chamber is always that empty or as we've seen, some of the people just didn't give a crap because they're like, holy crap, there's been a major attack and we've gotten 80 million credits stolen from our own coffers. Uh, people were booking it out of there, not giving a crap about uh, Mon Mothman or speech about the Gormans. Uh, so what do you guys think about that whole sequence? Thought it was a good scene. It was, I was like, I, I this is what, I, like I tell y'all, anytime they show anything with Coruscant, I'm, I'm paying attention. It, it's mm -hmm. just like, and this is why I, I told my brother this months ago or a couple weeks ago. I said, listen, we should have got this in the, uh, um, the sequel trilogy. Mm -hmm. We should have gotten more understanding of what's going on with the politics. Like, especially we know for how important the politics was leading into the original trilogy and how. The Empire was looking to dissolve the Galactic Republic's Senate, which eventually we get that in New Hope when Tarkin walks in and says the Empire has successfully dissolved the old remnants of the Republic. The governors <laughs> are now taking over as regionals or whatever, yeah, whatever yeah, he says. Yeah, yeah. So, so seeing this and how the government is slowly devolving ah. is important, you know, because, I mean, there, there, it wasn't packed. Either it wasn't packed or those people didn't care. I love that. And you clearly see, like, you know, that Mon Mothman kind of feels, like, disrespected and, like, no one gives a shit. You know, so I, I love that. That's why, again, for the sequel trilogy, we should have got something like this in the same manner of at least what are the politics looking like in the universe? How are people actually talking about a republic coming back or a senate? Well, it's so, funny. Yeah, I, I love this. I love this scene. Yeah, it's like in The Force Awakens, we, we, we see all we see of the politics is it getting wiped off the face of the galaxy yeah. <laughs> when Mazian Prime gets destroyed yeah, by Starkiller Base. You never, heard of, you never heard of that planet and it gets wiped out. We never Which, saw it. It's funny as heck because I don't know if you've picked it up, but there's been like two or three mentions of Hosnian Prime in this series exactly. alone. <laughs> exactly, and it's like it's like why even throw that planet name? We've never even seen it, ba barely. <laughs> I, I don't. They, like, I don't. Anytime they mention, I don't care about Hosnian Prime. I really don't. They're 
All right, so like I'll I'll, I'll get to the this scene, but they're they're throwing in stuff like Posney and Prime to basically, you know, it's basically to like try to justify to justify justify weird choices for the sequel trilogy. Like that's that's what it is because. Like, why wouldn't you reference any other system or planet that we've heard of, but you reference that one? It's just, you know, it's just, it's just to kind of like justify it, basically. They say it, like, they say it in a way like Ben, Ben. I'm sorry, but they say it in a way where no, they, it's supposed to mean something, and it's like, no, because even like that chick, she's like, so he care? About, he's like, yeah, something about Hosni and Prime checked in, blah blah blah. And I'm thinking, who cares? Like, if, yeah. now, if they if they if they just said Cato Nine Mordia. Or you know, like Hoth, or whatever. I mean, just but planets that we've seen or associated with Naboo. Help, Naboo. I'm like, oh, like if they, if, they, if someone would name drop Naboo in this show, I'm like, hey, like Naboo's acting foolish. Or I'm like, yeah. oh, take us back there. We need to see what's going on in, in Naboo. That makes sense. It, it was pretty Here's cool. The Prime. They made but, a man, reference. They made a reference to Ryloth. I think the first time we see the Imperial Security yeah. Bureau, they're like, "Oh yeah, there's been some roughness happening," and you know that from, yeah. Um, oh yeah. And another thing with Kessel, they also mentioned there was like some roughhousing on Kessel going on, and actually that would be from the Rebels episode, the very first Rebels episode, because we know like this timeline of this show is like running concurrently five years before New Hope. At the same time, Spark of the Rebellion happened when. Kanan and Ezra and Hera and, and Sabine and all of them go to Castle and rescue a bunch of Wookiees. <laughs> yep. Well, well, yeah, I mean, like, I, I, uh, yeah, the references that we, like, care about are cool like that. It's just, it's just, when it comes to, like, Hosni and Prime, it, it's just, honestly, it's just, in my opinion, like, not to, like, throw in the whole, like, oh, Disney Star Wars is throwing in their material, but that's what it is. Like, they're throwing in their their created planet and like it would have been different if we would have started the force awakens i don't know make instead of jakku make hosni and prime like that system be ray's home system or something and then we go you know we get it blown up in the second movie you know versus you know we have no connection in in um in a new hope for example we 100 percent have a connection with alderaan because it means something to Leia. Like, Hosni and Prime meant nothing to Ben, meant nothing to, to Ray, to, to Poe, um, no one. And it's just like, it's just like, all right, well, what, what do we get, got going on here? So, like, I don't know, like that, when you get references like that, I kind of just roll my eyes because it's like, they're, they're just hollow. It's like, you know, it's like if you're in a relationship that's gone bad and you're like, oh, yeah, I love you still. It's like, oh, well, do you? Um, you know, you just don't know what the... You just don't know what the messaging is, and like, like to me, it's a lot of hollow messaging when we get references to like Hosnian Prime or some of these places. Like, it would have been better instead of continuing to talk about like or like them mentioning Hosnian Prime a couple times. Talk about Jakku. Talk about um, you Wait, know, some of the other locations from the sequel. If you're going to include sequel trilogy locations, talk <laughs> about them more versus even referencing Hosnian Prime. They, so. They... <laughs> Like that's they the referenced Jakku, but I was like, in my mind, I'm like, what the hell is even happening on Jakku right now? Because the battle of Jakku hasn't happened, so it's just a dust ball. Like I don't, I don't get that. So that was one thing. I, at least I believe they said Jakku. Maybe after yeah, watching subtext. Okay, so I'm like, why do they care about Jakku anyway? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, they, 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 yeah. I I don't know. Like like references, references are nice. If they mean something like that's that's the big thing I think what it comes down to like because 
I mean, look, we get, um, like, even in Book of Boba, we get references like him, obviously him talking about his dad, like, Django means something to us, but it means something to us because, like, we actually know, like, who Django Fett is and stuff. Like, we don't know about Hosnian Prime. We really don't know much about Jakku other than Rey being there. But, like, you know, so, like, that that's a big thing. I feel like with references, some of these, like, references and planet names are potentially just, like, you know, maybe, I mean, I'm sure you guys can picture this. Like, Tony Gilroy going through the creative process of making this show, blah, blah, blah. And they're needing some oh, yeah. fill-in-the-blank planet, you know. Yeah, fill, yeah, give yeah. me that they they call up whoever at, at Star Wars and say, "Hey, we need five planets to throw in these lines. What what are some planets we can use?" It's, yeah. it's that type that's, of deal. That's the story. And it's group. like that, that's yeah, the story group, and that and that's where it's coming from. It's like we're, but the thing is, like the story group just isn't a isn't like self-aware on this. It's like. These these references don't mean anything to the audience yeah, at yeah. all. And then two years from now, we get a Jack Hugh story that's before New Hope, and we're like, ah, that's what they were talking about. Yeah, finally, <laughs> it, t- it took them. It took them. Um, when did Force Awakens come out? It took it took them ten years to 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 make Jakku and Hosnian Prime something, but we're finally there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I want to talk about the the impact of the ISB and, and where we can speculate on what's going to happen next because. They call an all-hands meeting, and they're basically like, uh, forget the character that's ahead of the ISB. He's apparently a Game of Thrones actor. He plays um, Quyburn, Meister Quyburn in Game of Thrones, if you're familiar. Yep. I knew he looked familiar somehow. But yeah, he basically says, uh, tell your family you're basically not going to be going home for until this crisis is dealt with. Um, so things are about to get real over there. Like I, I can't wait to see... What's happening next? Um, we've seen in the trailers, Death Troopers. I don't know if we've seen Stormtroopers, but we've seen riots happening on Ferrix. So I think I think this is when we really start to see the Empire taking us seriously. Because before, we've seen, um, what's her name, Moro, whatever her rank is, like talking. And, and, and the commander guy was just like, yeah, just brushing it aside. Like, she's like, I have three separate accounts. These could be rebels. And he's basically, yeah. You did a good job, but uh, I'll worry about it later. Now he's like, oh, wait, now he's actually going to take her serious, probably, once these events, if they ever do get connected to, to Andor. So, yeah, I just wanted to make make reference to I thought that was a pretty effective big scene where it's like the entire, entire galaxy knows, even guys that are shopping for some cool artifacts in luthan's uh little shop there is like oh yeah so you really get that's what i loved about this episode so much is like as big as those action moments were you get to actually see like how fast the news has spread around the galaxy like holy crap this is a big moment no like i said i'm I'm looking forward to how this second half is going to go i mean like i said it's what i've seen and heard a little bit it's supposed to get more intense so I'm, i'm hopeful yeah, and seeing Luthen's reaction, like, we've been following this guy since, like, episode two. And he's been scheming behind, like, trying to make these deals. And to see, he he actually had success. The Rebels did it. They paid grievously with their losses there. But, you know, he knows that Cassian uh, succeeded, and he's just smiling. Like, this is the beginning of a, of a big thing for his people. They, they've been planning this, and it's been a, a successful mission. Oh yeah, I I um, yeah I think, you you know like you mentioned Milton with it, I think 
I'm excited to see where the second season goes, you know, because of like the buzz. Second half? Like the buzz around, or, or the second, yeah, the second half of the season. Excuse me. The second half of the season. Um, just because like there has been like chatter, like, you know, it should be picking up. And just based on like what we've been getting so far, like you mentioned with like with Luthien and with Cassie and with, um, with the Imperials, obviously like the galaxies are, are like, um, you know, there's more of like a high alert um, because of all this happening. You know, I feel like there's going to be a lot more stakes added just, of course, like in-universe, but also out-of-universe for us, for maybe the characters like we've gotten to know and love, like maybe some of the people um, from Cassian's crew will be more like at risk or something. So like, I think we're going to be getting more of that. We're going to be getting, I mean, who knows, maybe in the next episode, since like this news is spreading, like maybe this is where you get Mon Mothma, like, like realizing, oh man, stuff's like uh you know shit's hitting the fan basically like you know that type of thing so i think uh i think it's definitely going to start picking up to a degree but again it wouldn't surprise me if we go back to like the the format the first six episodes have been of like two slower story building action because you know since we have six episodes left they could do two more slower than action than two slower than action for the finale so um it just is going to be interesting to see how they pace out these final six episodes. Yeah, so I was just talking about the ramifications of, you know, the galaxy, the Imperials cracking down. Yep. But at the same point, we have these disparate revolutionary groups around the galaxy, and they could also be seeing this as a major event that's going to rally them to inspire them to start uh, thinking about also having movements of their own. And this is um, going to be a big point, a uh, big turning point for, I think, the galaxy. And, and and this leads me to believe, I mean, we've seen previews, plenty of previews with Saul Guerrero. I think, I think probably next episode we might even see Saul Guerrero. I think he might be checking in and be like, hey, Luthen, like, I heard all the stuff that's happening. I want in or something. Like, I feel like this is where we're going to start, like, seeing other revolutionary groups like the Partisans. And the other yep. ones that like um, uh, Andor rambled off in episode four to Luthien on the ship there, the Seps, the the Rebel, all that stuff. And I think if we're looking at like the the next half, I think that the last episode, episode twelve, could be a big big uplifting moment when we see all the Rebel groups like combined, and then Mon Mothma standing in front and being like. We are hereby called the Rebel Alliance, and they, that's the whole point. Is like all these different groups that have these different um, missions are all going to come together and form um, that that big group there. And then, and then Andor, now that he has the manifesto, I think we're looking at the one character that basically sacrificed himself to a certain degree for volunteering on this mission. Nemec is going to be the the turning point for Cassian to actually buckle down and believe in something rather than being so selfish and, and being like a drifter across the galaxy. I think it's, it's Nemec's words and his sacrifice that is going to be the, the one thing that gets Cassian to do. And so Nemec is really like the savior of the galaxy. <laughs> Cause if it yeah, wasn't I mean, for him, Andor wouldn't have gotten the plans and Luke wouldn't have gotten to destroy the Death Star and everything wouldn't have happened. So Nemec is the MVP yeah. of the Star Wars galaxy. <laughs> hey, there, there we go. Um, I do think though with, with uh, you brought up a really good point. We haven't even mentioned this entire episode or this entire podcast so far. We haven't seen Saul Guerrero yet, so I think there's a chance with the way 
this episode has went like with it like ending on such a high note with all this action everything i think there's a chance we get maybe in the next episode a cold open to um like we cut straight to saul guerrero like we're Mm -hmm. gonna start from his point of view when he's getting this news you know i think i think there's a chance we go with that sort of a fashion because i mean we saw it in rogue one you know they open with like cold open to basically we don't know what's going on for the most part and then i think there's a chance we get it that way because like i'm still wondering how saul's gonna get introduced in this series like it's either gonna be i feel like us just cold cutting to him like that or it's gonna be somehow cassian has to like meet up with him or you know runs into his group of people oh yeah i mean i i I like the idea of like each series of three episodes introducing like a new perspective we introduced my mothma in episode four i think it'd be a good time to introduce saul in episode seven to start that um i do hope we see ferrix again we got that last uh, episode five i'd even talk about we got to to see the imperials on the ground they took it over from uh the the corpos there they're completely entrenched now so we're gonna see that happening but yeah let's just go ahead score this episode and we'll wrap it up for tonight I'll start off by giving my quick analysis. As I said off the bat, um, yeah, this is one of the masterpiece episodes of Star Wars. Uh, everything from tension to uh, character stakes to cinematography to new ideas with Star Wars and, and atmospheric conditions and well-paced um, timing on the action as well as sound design. Like it hit on all notes, so for that I got to give it a nine point five out of ten. I'm saving room for a ten out of ten episode because I think there could even be a better episode somewhere in this season. Um, but this is pretty much as high rated as as it can be for the Andor episodes and one of the best Star Wars episodes of, of Disney Plus that I've seen so far. So I'll throw it over to Millen. Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought this was one of the better episodes of the series. This is probably. Probably my second favorite episode compared to episode three. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode three, I like how that ended very well. Um, again, it, it was a, it was a tighter episode compared to the other two. A lot of good character development. Um, love the heist. I love where they're trying to take this story. I'm very hopeful for the second half of the season. I hope the her, I hope the first or the second six episodes. Uh, I hope the narrative is more mainstreamed in a sense of like. You know, it's very parallel. It's very tight. There's really not wasted time. The sense of like, all right, this is what they're trying to do, and they're trying to get to this point. So, overall score for this, uh, probably in eight point two five. Oh, eight point two five. All right, all right. We're getting down to the nitty gritty of the percentiles here. All right, what about you, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I can echo um a lot of similar sentiments both of you you had there um in your breakdowns of it. Like for me. I thought it was the best episode of the series um, by far, just because of like the pacing. I felt like was a lot better than many of the other episodes. the The third episode is the second best one in my opinion, behind this one. But um, but yeah, like this episode had a lot of good moments in it. Like you know, the heist was pretty good. You know, of course, the the visuals are always on point with this show. You know, getting some of the stuff with Mon Mothma is interesting. And just like a lot of the stakes that are actually getting introduced for our characters that we're dealing with, I think um, are nice. Even though, of course, we know like Mon Mothma and Cassian, like, you know, we know they're, they have plot armor, clearly. But, you know, we, we've, we've been getting 
nice things in this series, I think, so far. Like, even when, um, when the one guy had the knife to, like, Cassian, like, that, that whole, um, even though it was, like, the prior episode, but I'm just saying, like, the stakes getting introduced, it, it's nice that even though the characters are, like, covered by plot armor, you still feel the stakes. You know what I mean? Like, with Mon Mothma, for example, like, you feel like she could get busted at any time. Like, even though, obviously, we know her end story, it feels like she could get busted at any time, or Cassian could, something could happen with him. Like, it feels like that, even though they have the plot armor. So it's nice the way um, Tony Gilroy's making these episodes. Um, and then overall, like, I just thought the episode was done, you know, just done really well. Like, like, like these episodes are, are put together well. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, for that, the funny thing is, um, so, Milton, you saying 8.25, I came into this, with my sixth episode being wrote down on my phone as eight, an 8.4, actually. Yeah. So right, right around oh, you. Come on with <laughs> these percentages. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> They're just despiting me now with 8.4. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the chat. You know, we got we got Battling Boston's here throwing out uh, a, a nice little comic reference. Oh, it'd be cool if we could see violence from the comics make an appearance. <laughs> Byler Valence is such an obscure character. He is basically a character ripped from Legends that worked with Han Solo that was eventually... Uh, working to take down some people and eventually tried to kill Darth Vader. Anyway, he's such a comic book character. He's basically um, was on the Battle of Minban from Han Solo um, and basically got like almost killed. And is like I, I want to say like seventy percent of his body is cybernetics, including his face. Like his skull is like metal, like Terminator. Um, <laughs> so yes, I, I I I would love to say he would show up, but I just don't think Tony Gilroy would do it. Um, I was actually really expecting him to show up in the bo book of Boba Fett and and definitely expecting like Dengar and Bosk and all of them, but that didn't even happen. So I think it's a far shot. But yeah, I mean, I would love to, I would love to see that, but I just don't think it's gonna happen. But maybe book of Boba Fett season two, if that actually happens. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely say book of Boba Fett's probably a better place I, for uh, <laughs> comic book characters, book characters, heck, even other characters from even the movies or. Or animated shows like honestly guys i don't know about you but even going into this series like with tony gilroy like a lot of his comments he's made and stuff about star wars i was shocked that i mean i guess the only reason in my opinion the only reason saul Guerrero is even in this series is because he was already a live action character that gilroy dealt with in yeah. rogue one like yeah. if it if it wasn't for that there's zero percent chance he would have included saul Guerrero in this series yeah yeah, I, like, I don't even know if we're going to see Bail Organa at this point, but uh, I don't. I would love to see know. that. Oh, man. Okay, uh, Battling Boss is okay, only whole and half numbers allowed for ratings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. Got, got to stick around to next week. <laughs> yeah, I got to stick around for episode seven. We'll be talking about that in detail as well as any of the Star Wars news that comes out between now and and then if you're watching, well, you're already probably knowing how to find us on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Star Raptor is the place to go. Nine o'clock on Friday nights. We are back every single week until April, basically. Um, the only times you can expect the show to go on hiatus is when I'm going to a convention, because that's really the only time I actually ever go anywhere anymore. So 
<laughs> go expecting that. Um, so yeah, we'll be back for the foreseeable future over the next six months, unless something crazy happens. I don't think there's any like major holidays happening, unless like Christmas falls on a Friday. Then I think uh, I think it might. Um, I, I think, think it Christmas might actually will. this year. I think I think Christmas and Thanksgiving fall on a weekend. Those two weekends, so. Yeah, Thanksgiving is always on a Thursday, so we're good there. At least I'm good there. And then, well, anyway, sometimes we try to yeah, record we'll, the we'll, show ahead of time if if we can. But with Comic Con all weekend, it was just like I'm not even gonna try. Um, so anyway, oh, we got a nine. We got a nine out of ten from Gonzo. Best of Andor yet. I think most people are agreeing, except I mean, Milton, you have a very worthy um, runner-up to the episode three. I think, yeah, definitely episode three is a standout. Yeah, so, no, I think I think yeah. episode three and six have been the best so far. There you go. So two out of the six for most people is really good. So yeah, um, better it could be better odds than that, but I think we're gonna see the back half um, intensify even more than it already is. So yeah, what can the people? do to find you online and what are you going to be talking about i'll start with milton um you can find me on twitter at milton weber seven or on instagram at milton seven weber um yeah i mean pretty much what i do on social media is just you know sports funny memes i work out videos on instagram uh twitter i tend to just you know retweet stuff that's funny because i really don't take social media seriously let's just be real here um Mm -hmm. But, yeah, like, it's, you know, throughout the weekend, I am ready for the Eagles to play, man. Like, we got the Cowboys on Sunday night, 6-0, holler at you, Jalen Hurts, balling out. Our defense is sick. Let's go. Um, But, yeah, no, I appreciate you people who are listening to the podcast, watching us, you know, share this podcast with your friends, your family, whoever that are Star Wars nerds or just want to listen to a good podcast, like, we enjoy anyone that wants to just be a part of the community. So, yeah, we appreciate you guys. Yep, we got another scoring from Aaron Daly. Best episode so far. Great way to hit the halfway point this season. Another 9 out of 10. Ben, I'll throw it over to you. Nice. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I feel like we're going to be getting a lot, of, um, a lot of scores like that. And a lot of, you know, when we hop on social media this weekend, I bet you a lot of people are, you know, saying this is the best episode or in the top two or three. Um, but yeah, for me, you can just find me on Twitter and Instagram at real Ben Maynard on, you know, on Twitter, I'm pretty much just talking about complaining about the Browns most of the time right now, or talking about star Wars or superhero stuff. And then Instagram, you know, you can just find me there as well. I'm, I usually post my workout stuff. I, I didn't this week just cause I was kind of not feeling like it, but most of the time I post my workouts and, you know, keeping, um, Keeping trying to keep consistent on uh, the process of getting super shredded over the next six months, basically. Yeah, man, you just got to stay driven, have that plan, be consistent with the plan, and it'll all come through. Um, Oh, by the way, uh, I know Milton, you're giving a shout out to everybody that watches and listens to the show. Uh, So I was sitting, and he's going to enjoy this. Um, I was sitting in the Lucasfilm publishing panel on Sunday morning. The panel wraps up. And, and I hear somebody say Star Raptor behind me, and I'm like, I don't recognize that voice. And I don't know who it was. And they're like, hey, are you, you're on YouTube. I watch you. And I'm like, really? And he's like, the Outer Rim Transmission Podcast. And I'm like, this is a this is a repeat of last year with Aaron Daly calling me out at the panel. Um, so apparently I have a voice that's recognizable and everything without people even seeing the face. And... Uh, I will shout out the guy's name. He, I've, I remember 
talking to him on the live chat, DLE Camille, uh, Camille, DLE Camille. Um, so yeah, I want to shout you out, man. I don't know if you're you're not watching live tonight, but if you're watching or listening after the fact, I want to appreciate uh, you from stopping me. And I, I gave I gave him some pins and some stickers. So yeah, we had a nice conversation for a good five ten minutes after the con uh, the panel got out. So yeah, it's it's fun little. Little interactions like that where we can kind of come together as a community and, and really um, geek out over this stuff. And, and one final one final score we got in uh, from Battle in Boston is a 9.5 out of 10 for me matching my score. So there you go. We got a lot of the we got a lot of the viewers, the listeners here giving nines, nine point fives. Uh, so is everything from eight point two to nine point five. So yeah, easily the best rated episode so far, without much doubt. Um, as far as for what I have on the channel, as I mentioned, I have my cosplay video on the channel right now. You can check that out, as well as I will be uploading by the time you're hearing this on on podcasts. It will be out by then. My usual like vlog of just exploring different shots of the parties and booths and everything else going on there at New York Comic Con. So again, I hope to see you guys. If you can make it, you're on the East Coast. Uh, it'll be um, October 12th through the 15th, I think, next year. Don't quote me, but it's in a little bit later in October next year. So uh, tickets go on sale sometime in summer. So uh, follow the social channels because those tickets sell out pretty quickly. Um, so anyway, subscribe to the channel, follow the podcast and all your streaming podcast networks. That's going to do it for Ben, for Milton, for me, Chris, AKA Star Raptor. This was Outer Rim Transmission number 78. Everybody be safe out there. Have a great week until next week. That's going to do it for us here. May the force be with you and transmission. <laughs>